CS Greetings, CS Goers, I'm Xtremes, and with me is Hayes and Prophecy, and this is Midround Call, our new show about CSGO. We have a collective 10 million years of CSGO casting experience, the only problem is we're doing it in South Africa, or if you're from overseas, South Africa, and uh, yeah, we talk about Counter-Strike, and there's actually Counter-Strike teams now with South African players, like Cloud9 and ATK on the international team, on the international scene, shall I say, so... We thought we'd talk about Counter-Strike a little bit and, uh, you know, give you some of our thoughts and, uh, and, and opinions. So, hello first to Hayes. How's it? Feels good to finally get this project underway, something we've been talking about for quite some time now. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, we tend to have some some interesting conversations every now and again, so I think we just decided let's put a video camera on and, and maybe record it and, and see see what happens. So, I'm, I'm keen to see where this goes. I'm not used to this not getting paid for being on a video camera thing. It's a bit weird, eh? Uh, yeah, and also normally a couch involved. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prof? Black is a black couch, though. Oh, what kind of couch? Is it a casting couch, though, if if you're casting while you're on the couch? Just saying. Um, we'll leave that as an open-ended question. <laughs> so, Prof, um, I mean, are, are you the professor of Counter-Strike, or are you just um, prophesying no. the demise of uh, various teams that are terrible in your estimation? Uh, well, I'm definitely not the professor because there's that guy that works for HLTV called Professor, so I yeah. think he takes that cake. HLTV uh, Confirmed Podcast. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't prophesize. Like, you know, like apparently like most analysts, we just um, use um, 2020 hindsight to uh, tell you every time exactly who's going to fail. I knew that was going to happen. I mean, you know, when you come back yeah. after the ad break, it's like, yeah, I saw that coming. I called it. Everyone's going to back me up. So... I guess the question maybe for some people, again, Counter-Strike experience for us, um, we've done a bunch of TV, actually, because in South Africa, we've actually had Counter-Strike on TV. Um, Hayes and I did uh, something called the EVTech Champions League that was broadcast live on Jinx TV, the UK channel, but uh, within South Africa, that was live esports, pretty cool production. We also all did ESL Africa in 2017, both seasons of it with the stadium final thing at the end, that Energy One team with Black Poison in it, uh, who obviously went with uh, Bravado slash ATK overseas. Uh, a lot of you guys might know him. Um, and that was an African championship, which involved North African teams as well. So, um, you know, we've been around a little bit, probably conservatively have casted like five or 6,000 uh, maps of, of Counter-Strike. Have, yeah. Am I lying? Am I pulling that out of my ass? Probably not. No, eh? I, I mean, uh, I think the numbers have been racked up over time when you, you take, in, take into consideration all the VS games we did back in the day, all the ESEA stuff, all that ESL Africa stuff, like you mentioned as well. WESG, ESWC. Yeah, We're just pulling out numbers, BMW. Um, I mean, if we go BMW. back, if we, if we try and think back to the year that this all started, I mean, um, I think I, I started casting very, very amateurly in the beginning, and I think that was about 2015. So, yeah, this is the fifth year being a part of the industry, being a part of the business, and it's it's amazing. It's great. Yeah, it's also pretty cool um, from an international point of view. I mean, we've all done ESL Southeast Europe stuff. You see guys like Cirque with uh, Evil yeah. Geniuses doing Poison. amazing work. Poison with Complexity. I mean, we were yeah. just casting him uh, Season Madden. 9 of ESL uh, ACC. So Madden, Look at Madden yeah. as well, another great example, playing for, for Godsent now, and actually a, a player who's re- really turning heads. So it's been awesome to see those players coming up from the grassroots level and actually starting to to uh, get a bit of attention on the, the biggest stage absolutely so i mean basically you get tier one casters tier two casters and then somewhere several levels below is us we still get paid it's the south african accent it's it's uh nice and neutral i mean 
I guess we could go with the how's it guys, but you know, I mean, we, we don't do that. So I, mean, I don't think any of us are from four ways. Yeah, yeah, no four ways. Uh, so not, we, not we, we are digressing a little bit, but just the point of that is just to give you guys a little bit of an understanding that no, yeah, we are going to pull a lot of things out of our asses, but um, generally they'll be pretty well considered, um, you know, presents from our asses. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, and we're not really going to talk about South African stuff too much. There is a fairly big senior. Obviously, you've seen our teams going over, but that's not really something that we're going to delve into too much. But maybe we'll bring out an opinion or two. So I think the place that we're going to start is actually with uh, Blast Premier, the regular season, the spring series. Um, we had that happening over the last few weekends. And i got to say, just off the bat, the um, production for that, it reminded me a heck of a lot of uh, of E-League. Yeah, that's But it I seemed even well. better than E-League. I mean, what did you guys think? It it really came off very well, like for the first tournament of the year. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Mike. I think that they have set the bar incredibly high heading into the next decade. And we always knew that Blast was one of the companies that focused a, a lot of their energy on their production. And I think they learned a lot uh, in 2018 and 2019, they've really been working hard on developing their model. And I think that they're seriously onto something with this model that they've gotten now for 2020. I love the production that they're coming out with. We're getting so much more insight into the lives of the players and, um, you know, it's sort of the back workings of how all these things come to the fore. And I think it's really great to to get all those insights. So I love it personally. I think it's been great. Yeah, um... Uh, I do think that the one thing that we probably will talk about is that because they've sort of come off a break, it has affected um, a lot of the quality of, of Counter-Strike that we've seen from particularly the top teams. The, the guys that you'd expect to be the front runners, they, they've they come in a little bit undercooked, it feels like. But yeah. uh, just talking about the production uh, first, yeah, it, 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 it has been uh, fantastically well done. Um, it does very much give off that whole e-league vibe it's in a studio and all the rest i mean you can't really have large crowds in a studio so um i i do think that the, they've mic'd up the crowd very well so you do still get that sense that the yeah. crowd is involved which is is absolutely fantastic uh, there's a lot of banter between the players which is which mm. is great you don't get to see that with uh um you know the 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 parallel players whereas with them uh, playing opposite one another it looks you, you can get that whole like uh, uh, the, the the spice that I think we, we sometimes miss with some of the big events, like particularly when Navi uh, won that ridiculous clutch and um, or oh, simple won that ridiculous clutch and then he stands up and is like asking Rush, like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> that was a what are you doing moment, though. I mean, that one yeah. was that was a crazy moment. But I was that was straight out of the Dota uh, textbook of uh, when a guy does something stupid, you just pause the game, uh, hit enter, question mark, enter. It's like, what? What, Jeez. what, what, what are you doing, mate? But I think yeah. that, that the two teams facing each other thing is such a cool component of the whole thing because it's got that old-school LAN vibe. You know, if you yeah. think about all those uh, community LANs that you would have been at back in the day, even big tournaments, let's be honest, like five years ago, the major was more or less that in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I, 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 old Dreamax with um, Taz shouting at, I think it was... He wasn't shouting. He was just making a comment every round when they were beating uh, ninjas in pajamas because ninjas were sitting behind them, and he just like they'd win around, then he starts chirping them, and then he wins what, around. Nah, bitch. Yeah, it's just constant. I mean, it's good to see that kind of stuff uh, come back, and um, especially it, it just adds, I think, a little bit to the 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 spectacle. Yeah, especially when you've got all the players at the venue for a LAN, right? I mean, if you have them both tucked away, like. 
behind a wall or something like that. It's like might as well they could have been in their bedrooms at home or playing from their gaming house. It doesn't really create that same essence, that same environment. So I also think back to the the PGL um, Krakow Major between uh, the, the final between Immortals and Gambit. They had those booths mm-hmm. where they were facing one another. I thought that was really cool as well. So yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I definitely love it. I think that it adds to the occasion. And I think that the players... Uh, feed off of that as well especially a few of them who really like to go down that road you know having the opposition opposite them someone like Woxic he he loves that and he wants to make his presence known on the people who are sitting across from him you know because that plays into his strengths as well because it it creates uh, even more fear in the opposition because he's just so confident in and out of the server yeah I, I think it's great it's awesome. I also like those um, like electrostatic screens they had up, you know, where you pass an electrical current through it and it goes clear or opaque, you know, yep. so they have it opaque while the guys are playing and then in between the rounds they go clear, the cameras can see the guys, they can see yeah. each other. So it's it's actually very well thought out. I mean, it's like, the I guess, like the back window in a McLaren 720S or something, but yeah. literally that's what they do with the like glass roofs and supercars. So, I mean, that's some cool technology they, they, they brought into it that I don't think a lot of people would have noticed, but it, I think it helped the production and just it gives those guys the, the privacy while they're playing and then in between the rounds they can kind of throw each other signs. Of course, nobody was really doing that, yeah. but... Yeah, I think overall, very cool event. And I think that maybe also ties into the, one of the things we're going to talk about, which was uh, some of the um, interview um, the, the interview banter, shall we say, or the, the candor in some of the interviews as well. Um, one, one of the ones that the community was really looking at, if you looked at Reddit, was um, the interview with Alex. Um, tell us a bit about that one, Prof. Yeah, so, I mean, Alex basically just, he made a lot of comments that to Reddit seemed quite... Um, he was. Uh, it was specifically about um, the the team of complexity. Co- complexity. Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was about complexity, and he was basically saying like, "Oh, they're just like running through smokes, and they're just like headshotting us, and like yeah. we, we couldn't we couldn't slow them down, and neither could Astralis yesterday." But like they that he did, he just vaguely gave the impression that like oh they like they were just playing purely off of like raw skill and that they couldn't sustain that kind of thing. And to Reddit, it just seemed like a very very salty interview. But if you looked at the way that complexity was playing, it didn't seem like I didn't think that that was too harsh a take. Like they were just hitting everything the first couple yeah. of mm-hmm. days. And um, I mean, like I said, we'll, we'll go into it in a little bit more depth. But uh, it, I think it was great because they also had once the situations you had the you know the after action um, interview, and then they they would bring a player onto the desk where the analysts could actually uh, specifically ask questions that yeah. um, they would, you know, they they would prefer to ask rather than just the general questions that you tend to get asked after a uh, a game where, you know, your brain is still sort of wired. You're not going to be answering hundred percent correctly. And, and you generally will tend to just spit out the, the old faithful bunch of arguments, which is just, uh, you know, we tried really hard today. It wasn't our day. You didn't you know, it's, like, it's, it's not a sports interview. Like, um, so when you, you know, we bring the guys onto the desk, they, you can ask them a little bit more in depth and get, I think, a better view of, of how they were thinking in those kind of it's c- uh, kind of what they did at this tournament, though, was having that like immediately after the match, our raw emotion, which is what Alex kind of did at that point. And then you had a little bit later on, they'll bring another player on the, on the desk and the analysts will ask some questions directly. So I kind of like that one two punch because a lot of tournaments also have only the sideline reporter interviewing people yeah. afterwards and then you do tend to get those very sort of canned we didn't hit our shots they did hit our sh- hit their shots therefore they won which like tells you fuck all so 
um i i think the the emotional content for, for from alex was great i saw guys like dk for instance on um, twitter saying you know that if you want that sort of uh, authenticity in in interviews and then when a guy does it the, the community like comes up with this outcry that's that's pretty much bullshit which which it is i i gotta agree with them there like i'd rather that csgo has a bit of authenticity, a, a bit of realness in what's being said than just this sort of canned PR answer. Because, I mean, let's be honest, in most sports, the interviews are worthless. Like, you, you, yeah. you get nothing out of it. It's like, I mean, this was a tough game. Okay, well, frick, that is helpful <laughs> to me. Fantastic. I'm sure you, then, then, then you watch that same player, that same player will tell you that it was a tough game no matter who they played, even if they won like 10-0 or something. It was a tough game because yeah. that's his PR yeah. answer. So, you know, fuck that noise. Why do we want that in, in Counter-Strike? I don't understand the community's sort of outcry against Alex just saying that these guys were sort of pugging against them when objectively if you have eyes and you watch the game, that it, more or less that is what happened. I don't even think that he was that rude in the way that no. he said it. He he was actually, uh, he, it was almost constructive criticism in a way that he was talking about it. And he was quite cool the way that he approached the conversation as well. And, and he, he almost, he explained why he said what he said, you know, and he, he tried to break it down a little bit as well. So I, I really appreciated that honesty from him as well. And, you know, everyone, you can take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, that's also his opinion at the end of the day. It's not like he has the golden chalice and whatever he says is absolutely right. You know, that's just how yeah. he felt about the game. Uh, you, know, you don't have to get so emotional about that. I mean, I saw that Rush actually even came back with the reply and he was like, yeah, you know, Alex was really salty uh, after the game with the comment that he made. And he, he actually clearly got a, l a little bit touched from what Alex said. So, so that's yeah, good though. I mean, we won't try. Yeah, I agree, but game, I'm also like... just saying, I, I feel like it's that, that outrage again, which is just a, a little bit like, it's a little misplaced. Unnecessary, yeah, definitely. Don't, don't you think, though, like the, the whole thing that people always go for on, you know, any comment section, Reddit or, or Twitter or whatever, is you should be more professional. Professionalism, <laughs> that's the thing that's always, like, used. Okay, so wait, the fact that he does this for a living and gets paid for it means what? What does that then mean? Like, professional behavior is him doing what? Is that... Not uh, teabagging. We're not teabagging. We've established that. Um, I, I think teabagging is fine, personally, but, you know... Each, yeah, each no. to their own. Um, it's a tact they, I mean, they had to eventually call it a tactical crouch on uh, Overwatch League because oh, teabagging was not allowed to be said on broadcast. Uh, tactical I mean, crouching. I want to go on one tangent quick, very yeah, brief. Yeah, I, I just want to say how um, how fantastic CS is. I feel like we've got a, a such a good pool of talent in the industry, and I feel like for the most part, um, there's freedom as well. And um, I, I love that creative freedom that the people have, you know, to really express themselves and be honest with the way that they genuinely feel. Uh, I think it attracts a significant audience and it's still professional enough to to be a model that, you know, will grow and develop and, and can reach the mainstream. Oh, you said professional, I'm seeing red. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I no. agree with you overall. I, I guess coming back to my original tangents about professionalism is it's like a catch-all phrase that people use to say, I didn't like what he said. And yeah. he should have been more professional. Okay, so he should have been paid more for a living to do this then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, Because that's right. all that professional means. It doesn't mean yeah. anything anything other than that. I think it's a fundamental... But you, you get what they mean when they I, say you should have been more professional. It's I just get like, yeah, I get it. They, they, they mean you need to be more nice. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. How about we just say, I didn't like what he said about my team and he hurt my feelings. No, because you want to be big man on the internet yeah. on the keyboard. Same you know, response so. though, right? Pretty much. Same meaning, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> how about you go with, 
I just want a generic interview where he says that they were better than him and give them all the all the plaudits, which is like bullshit yeah. again. Like, what is that? And saying? then be the same guy who says like CS:GO is dying and nothing is evolving. You oh, know, discs are so boring in CS:GO. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So then when when an analyst comes and says something fire, then you like dunk on that dude on on Reddit. Exactly. It's like you can't keep these people happy. Let's be honest. There's, Irony at its best. Yeah. There's no way to keep them happy, but. Keeping them angry keeps them engaged, at least. So I'd prefer them angry. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. Well, yeah. They're more likely to come back because then they want to get back at you sometime down the line. So I suppose keeping them angry is a pretty good idea. <laughs> yep. So um, talk, talking about the some some of the interviews as well, we had like um, Blame F was saying some things, Simple was saying some things, and I just felt like in general complexities run through the tournament. Um uh, weekend prior to this past one was uh, was one which really surprised a lot of people and that it brought out a lot of the these emotional reactions from these guys who were sort of taking a few L's from them and also having some tough games against them and I think that's great I love to see a guy like Config who's kind of known as that bad boy in previous incarnations the Dignitas the North um, it's cool to see him in a team that's that's doing well and, and I kind of like to see that Blame F was sort of playing up there um you know they they were underdogs, but he also kind of pulled out a little bit of a villain angle, which I kind of enjoyed. So I hope to see more of that, and in general, I hope to see complexity win. Except that apparently they're not good at playing online. Yeah, I mean, like the problem that I have with this thing is that like they looked great here, but how much of it is just almost? I mean, you, it's difficult to say that. It, like, is it a um, a honeymoon period because they have actually been together for quite a while? But like. It did just feel like every single game that they played, they just hit every shot. Like specifically with with uh, Ober, there was like rounds where like they, they would pop flash him through a smoke, he'd run through and get two kills, and then like fall back, or he'd win some like ridiculous clutch, and then afterwards they ask Blame F like, "Oh, does he win clutches?" He's like, "No, he, he fails most of them." So <laughs> yeah, that was I, the mind blowing thing. I'm like, "What?" I I do just wonder if he wasn't just having one of those performances sort of like Stewie when Stewie came out on the scene where it's like he does this ridiculous stuff and against like top level opposition who expect you know that they, they have a general idea of what a player is going to do in in certain situations and, and what's the most correct thing to do that I think it caught them off guard sometimes but I mean we've we've obviously seen teams like Australia adapt very very quickly Australia I mean that's uh, Stewie used to be very, very uh, effective against Astralis, uh, particularly in that um, crazy period where, where Liquid was just wrecking everything. And now when he goes up against Astralis, he just gets his head clean, uh, you know, just, uh, cleaned off every single time he, he gets into a round. He just goes completely uh, into his shell against Astralis in particular. Can't get anything done. And I just wonder, like, oh, how much of it was just uh, a, a complexity came out swinging court, Astralis cold and the next time we see this kind of event, I, I don't think that um, complexity is going to be even half as effective against Astralis because the one thing we've figured uh, seen uh, about Astralis is that classically you don't beat them too many times in a row because they are incredibly good at adapting. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, just just to add to that with complexity, just to give a bit more context to the run as well, let's keep in mind that this was the first event of 2020 as well. So, uh, you know, quite a few of these teams would have just been coming off a, a really long holiday, like one of the, one of the longest breaks that's actually been in the, in the competitive year for a, a while, while now. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, 
maybe, as you said, caught cold just because of the extra long break. Also, like you said, com- complexities online results haven't really been doing them any justice lately. Uh, point being that teams probably wouldn't have expected too much coming out of them heading into this event. So maybe that was another element as well, was just a lower level of expectation means that they weren't fully prepared, probably weren't watching too many demos going into the matches either. So I mean, you, you, you always have this 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 this, uh, this sort of thing happen when a team just comes out, wins an event or does really, really well, and then everyone's like, okay, now we sort of just got to take those people into our plans next time we, we're heading into the event that they're playing at, and there's yeah. a chance we can play against them. And all of a sudden, those play styles, like you said, Sean, just become like way less effective when teams know that you're going to be trying these crazy smoke pushes, pop flashes. As soon as teams are set up and ready to counter those players, they just become way less effective. So, yeah, I think going forward, they're going to have to evolve their game and make sure that they do remain unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, the thing that they failed is the Europe, uh, the, the the open qualifier for the minor. Yeah, major. Oh, well, yeah, they, the had, minor, they had three opportunities. Three. And they lost all. Yeah. And, like, they lost to bum teams. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even make like if you look at the teams that they lost to, you just like what is going on? What is going on here? They lost to a team called Smash in the in the latest one. Smash, if I, I'll, I'll just put up the team quickly. Uh, Smash is Bubble. Okay, we all know him. Fights, yeah. I think maybe a couple of people know him. Nope. Neeks, I haven't heard of Neeks. Disco Doplin, I think we've all heard of, and and Grooks, like. Yeah. I, I don't want to be mean, missing, but like I, I know, like, like I know a couple of these guys, but in general, losing to a team that is ranked number one hundred and eighty-sixth in the world in an online environment after you've just uh, two owed Astralis and uh, Vitality Astralis, as well, like yeah. you'd expect a bit more. Like I, I would expect you to at least make the final of this thing, but they didn't. They they got like they, they did pretty well and then lost two one to Smash online. It's just like I, I don't understand. It was, if they had won that match against Smash, they would have qualified for the closed qualifier. That was their qualifying game. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, three opportunities. They lost to Pact, I think, in the mm-hmm. second opportunity. It's just like losing to a, a Polish team, which, you, you like. Co- you contrast that against beating Astralis, like clean to her, beating yeah. Vitality. You know, you and you got to contrast those things. That's just the scary part. Like, how does yeah. that? How does that even happen? It it, sh- it yeah. shouldn't have happened, but it, it it did. And I mean, we we've ended up with a with a very weird um, showdown actually, because I mean, Blast Premier Spring Series of of course the top six teams go to the essentially the finals, and then you have the showdown tournament, which is everybody who didn't make it through. And I think it's what only two spots. Yeah, yeah. two spots from there. So I mean, you you got some pretty crazy names in there. I mean, we're talking Vitality, Evil Geniuses, 100 Thieves, MRBR, Astralis. Astralis came last. I mean, let's... Yeah. What? What? I mean, they came last in the group and they were at like a negative two round differential, which tells you how close those rounds were to, to um, being lost. It's like ridiculous. Negative eight, but yeah. Oh. But I mean, there's other teams that were like, what? I, I think, um, was it OG yeah, that have a negative... Father, it was by far the highest. <laughs> The OG qualified to the finals because of how badly it got smashed on certain games. So it's like it yeah. never felt like Astralis was completely smashed. Yeah, that's um, true. But they they just never felt like they were a hundred percent in control. And when when they interviewed Zonic, he was like, you could see that he was actually quite upset because he was saying that 
Um, the the communication wasn't good. You could see that the team just didn't look like um, they they didn't hundred percent work together, and there was a lot of um, small problems that Astralis was making. You know, like a, a, a mistimed push over there or this player not being in hundred percent the correct space. And then like poison also just what is, I think he was like uh, 11 and zero in opening duels against device. Yeah. It's like, that yeah, that, that's definitely, that's definitely going to be a replica. Prof, do you remember what I was telling you before that though? I was like, Matt and I casted a ton of poison. I'm like telling you this kid is hot shit, man. I'm telling yeah. you this kid is great. I felt vindicated, but I didn't think I was going to be that well vindicated. I thought he'd just get a couple of good frags, you know? Yeah. It was actually a really funny stat that Device had killed himself more than he had killed Poison in that uh, Vertigo game. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Ludicrous. I, I just, I just want to go back um, uh, a conversation just to, to just to close off what we were talking about complexity and how we were saying their results, uh, what, what a stark contrast there was between their online results and those results in the first group of Blast Premium. And um, Rush actually was interviewed alongside Config before the weekend started. And Rush said, you know what? I actually think we're going to play uh, so much better than we've been playing online because here yeah, all of a sudden we're the underdogs and we've got so much less expectation on our shoulders heading into these games. And he's like, uh, we're probably going to be playing like we play in practice, so much more relaxed and we're all on the same wavelength and we're hitting our shots and we're looking a lot better. As soon as we go into these officials online, we're letting the pressure of the occasion get to us too much and the expectations. So, and he's like, yeah, so you know what? I, I think we will be a, a force to be reckoned with. And boom, all of a sudden, 2-0 Australis, 2-0 um, Vitality. And it's like, it just gives you an insight into what they are capable of doing when they can um, apply their mindset correctly, you know? And it just goes to show you what a huge mental aspect the game of CSGO really has, you know, mm-hmm. just outside of the server itself. It's it's such a, a massive impact and consideration. If you consider as well that uh, Complexity's practice facilities have like facilities to simulate the LAN environment, they're probably better prepared for, than anyone for, for playing on LAN. You know, they've got like a PA system and like noise that plays through it and that sort of thing to kind of simulate casters wow. and everything. So it's it's actually quite quite crazy what they have. I don't think it would have necessarily helped them. Yeah, I mean, it was a TV studio, so it's not like a massive yeah, yeah, sound sure. system. But I mean, that that's probably what other teams are gonna 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 try to do in future. I'm not attributing that in any way to to what they did. Yeah, I think they just caught everyone else sort of half cocked. Unfortunately for everyone else, apparently they yeah. they were practicing a couple of weeks before the other teams actually yeah. actually went back to it. The the real question I have though is, considering how small Oboe is, I still think complexity in a real life street fight could beat. Astralis just because of how big Blame F is. <laughs> well, I mean, Blame F would probably just use Obo as uh, um, <laughs> like a weapon, <laughs> as, as just like a dot. Throw him at him. <laughs> a dot. <laughs> I mean, he he is like a tiny little shrimp man. <laughs> like Blame F is literally a Viking warrior. So yeah, it's quite crazy, man. Um, Astralis, though, I mean, I don't think it's the end of the road for them necessarily. Like, I, I saw some silly silliness as well on Reddit where people are like, you know, it's, it's just there's, there's no way to really know what their true level is. We'll probably see what their true level is at uh, Katowice coming up in a week or so. Yeah. This is just their first hit out. And, I mean, something you were saying to me before, Prof, is like if you look at Device, particularly losing those orb duels, um, he is one of those orpers who who does a ton of research, spends a lot of time on heat maps, particularly figuring out where the enemy are going to be, what their tendencies are, and I mean, how are you how are you going to figure out poison from watching what? <laughs> so, 
no, nothing yeah. really with this lineup. They were they played in qualifiers before with the, with a different lineup. So yeah. you know, poison. Oh, I mean, the, the, the thing is, the thing is, you can you can study uh, demos of what they looked like online. But remember, like on online performance is also like you you don't play like a lot of those online teams do. Hmm. So it's difficult to replicate. Oh, is he going to do this in this circumstance, or, or how does he react when X, Y, and Z goes down? And clearly, uh, Poison had had uh, device on toast that whole weekend. Jeez, so, he did, eh? Um, I mean, does it happen again? I don't think so. But if he can replicate it, well, we've got another top tier orbit to to uh, add to the. I wouldn't say growing number, but certainly uh, the encouragingly. Um impressive number that we've got going on another bulgarian with a snappy aim that's for sure um i do think he can be that as well i do think he can kind of step into the top tier or just looking at again what i've seen of him having cast a lot of his games scouting is nuts Insane. like for, for an opera, he's scouting. <laughs> like for, for a an opa his ability to like consistently land headshots the scout is is really nuts because you don't often see many top tier opas that run the scout um, as much as he does, like he, he was very, very good with the scout that weekend. It just speaks to some real accuracy in his shooting. So I, I think yeah. he's great. I mean, coming back to Astralis, think they're probably going to bounce back. I don't see this happening with any regularity. I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of when they were sort of undercooked last year. They lost against Furia as well. And I mean, what has Furia done since then? Not a, not a hell hell of a lot, except be tied into five year contracts like a bunch of idiots. But, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, as Sean mentioned, what Zarnik was saying in his interview about, you know, it was really small mistakes which were costing them dearly. It's not like they were getting smashed in the games. It was just a mistime push here, a small mistake here, a small mistake there, and all of a sudden they lost the game. And all of those uh, those things things he alluded to are generally all symptoms of being undercooked and and not having a bunch of game time recently on you know on the land uh land circuit or just an official in general so yeah i, I think it's totally just that first event jitters and we'll see them straight back into their stride heading into katavita next week okay so we know they're right i mean the other big names that that are also going to the showdown would be vitality and evil geniuses um what, what do we think went wrong there i mean Vitality were in the same group as well. I mean, they they also seem to be caught off by complexity. Was it just that? I mean, I don't know. Um, like Vitality is a difficult one, is because of the nature of the team is that uh, Zaiwu has to do so much for them, and even like since the break, like they they still require a lot of um, heavy lifting from Zaiwu to get it done. So they are, I think, more prone to, to having a collapse against a, a team like a, a Complexity than Astralis. Um, and even if you check the, the stats in that game, again, like it looked like blowout losses, um, especially on Inferno, which is traditionally a very, very strong vitality map. So um, Complexity knocking them out 16-5 there, just, it just felt like they just didn't, like they didn't understand how to read Complexity or they couldn't read Complexity in the game. Uh, poison rush uh, uh, those two having a big game rush especially like R- rush doesn't is not usually the guy that's going to be you know loading up on on frags and all the rest so yeah. when he pops off he is going to do a, a huge amount of damage and he can um, win games in in that kind of situation and the problem is that vitality has to have all of the uh, or like they basically can always bank on Zywe doing well. And then they usually have to have like RPK doing pretty solidly, and then Apex and Shocks need to to pull a little bit. And you know sometimes Alex, I mean, what event was it last year that he just 
uh, like went absolutely nuts at him. There was one, um, yeah. And that's just the problem is that Vitality relies so much on Zaiwu that when games don't go 100% well, like, I mean, he didn't even go, po- like, he didn't go positive in that series, which is like nuts to think about how good Zaiwu usually is in those circumstances. And he didn't, he went plus one on Inferno and like he didn't get anything on Mirage. So it just feels like Vitality maybe not got caught cold, but they they just didn't look like they were up for that game. They just walked into that game, got smacked by complexity and never knew really how to deal with um, the aggression that they, they were experiencing. And that, that that's the one thing we have to be honest with the European teams is that there have been times, especially when we look at um, the original uh, Bravado's run at, at um, Drew Mac Winter, is that a lot of the European teams often don't expect the... Um, the aggression that you you get out of uh, some of the U.S. teams, um, especially the lower level U.S. teams that are very very aggressive in in how they take fights. The European teams tend to prefer a lot slower games. Yeah, the MDL mindset, and and a lot of those European teams almost get caught off and aren't certain exactly how to react in that uh, sort of circumstance. And Vitality did just get slammed, and then unfortunately they after that ran into potentially. A very good looking Navi, because yeah. Navi actually impressed me more than than um, Complexity did. They they looked like they'd finally figured out at least a part of the the puzzle to get that yeah. thing going. You now. do you do get that let's, impression though, eh? Let's yeah. just before we before we jump into that, I just want to just talk a little bit about more a little bit more about Vitality. We we're just saying uh, you know how they looked like they had their struggles, and you were saying how Zaiwu had struggled. And it's it's not e- not even only that Zaiwu needs to go so nuclear that for them to win. It's not only like based off individual performance. Their whole system is built around Zaiwu doing well. So like if if Zaiwu is not excelling, it's not only that like he's not having a good game and carrying them. It's like there's a lot of other things that are going yeah. wrong, uh, which is not allowing for him to perform. You know, so it's a little bit concerning. You put all your eggs in one basket like that. When you've got someone as good as I were, why wouldn't you? But it's like, if that, if that all in play doesn't work, then you're, you're pretty screwed, which you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think to associate that mindset with a team like Vitality when you've got names like Shocks there as well, you know, like mm-hmm. historically that's somebody who teams look to, to be that hard carrier and that hard fragger, but it's just right. years gone by. He hasn't been able to, to, you know, keep up that level of performance, unfortunately. And he's actually had to evolve now to a point where he takes on a different role because he doesn't have the firepower to to be in those positions. So, yeah, it's I mean, quite uh, crazy. Also, it must also be mentioned, towards the end of last year, RPK was also getting back to uh, I mean, a, a decent level of form. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, he, he wasn't like you know, going gangbusters, but he... Doing what they needed, be, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and again, here in that game against Complexity, he just sort of like got slammed in in most of those engagements, and that's just the problem. Is that like Saiwu is amazing, but he can't do everything. I mean, we, we've seen Simple go, you know, thermonuclear to the point like nobody's ever going to reach those kind of levels again, and even he couldn't win events with the rest of his team just yeah. falling apart. So to expect Saiwu at the age of what is like twenty now or something. Um, while they, I think they're better set up for for Zywu to hard carry than. Uh, simple than than uh, Navi was last year. It's still like if Zaiwu even dips like 
five, 10%, like the whole team just can't, so can't uh, carry the load. Don't you think, though, that if fans really want to get salty at Alex for saying anything, it should be where he repeatedly in interviews over the last six months tries to emphasize that it's a team effort and how all of them are part of it and they don't rely on Zaiwu. And I'm like, what are you even I saying? Got... Like, do you believe what is coming out of your mouth? Like, I think we should be getting salty at that shit because that is just it's... unbelievable. I'm like, what are you saying? Like, the rest of you, like... I mean, you're throwing I mean, flashes look, for him, but to, to be fair, to be fair, that goes back to what what um, Hayes was saying is that like when they put a lot of eggs in in Zaiwu's basket, they do like he gets a lot of flashes, he gets a lot of assistance um, because he is good enough that like he justifies that kind of assistance. But so you'd why rather it? why why pretend that's not what everyone is, can like, see is happening? The problem is it. It hurts. It hurts people's feelings when that he kind goes. Of thing goes yeah. yeah, I've noticed it as well. Though, literally at like every opportunity, it's always playing down as much as they yeah. possibly can. How Zaiwu is not carrying the team because he is a god. Even even their CEO on this recent last premier uh, CEO little video they did. He even he was saying, "Yeah, no, we got a system, and no one really cares about their individual performance. It's all about the team winning, you know, yeah, and sure. it's difficult. He says it's difficult for some people. I'm like, shocks. Yeah, I know it's difficult for shocks what, to four accept names? that. Difficult for four names. But I, I, you know that yeah. shocks. He, he's a player who's, who's, who's always been looked upon as a star. And mm-hmm. now for him to relinquish that, you must know that he, internally, that he probably takes an issue with that, you know. So it's quite yeah. difficult for him, probably, I'm assuming, to to shift that mentality it is also just the nature of the beast when you get to that level you do have to have uh, a certain level of ego to to play at that level absolutely and you don't want and you don't want people to be telling you that um oh you're you're not good and you're carried by that like that young kid yeah. on the team. it's like it it especially when it you affects, were that young kid and like it, it affects him and and um i mean you can understand why they, they would be so defensive about it um although alex considering that he's the igl You'd think that maybe he would be a little bit less um, uh, diplomatic in that sort of so, situation, but he does try to like play it down. I mean, the, the problem is, it's like the stats are so insanely like lopsided. Far yeah. lopsided. It's just that it's like it, you can't make doesn't... that case subjectively or objectively. I mean, the stats don't lie, and the eye test doesn't lie. Like Zaru is by far the best player on that team. Do you think maybe they're all worried that Zaru will get paid more than them or something? Is that it? Like, oh, yeah. you know. Like, no, I'm, I'm just kidding, but um, to me, the one issue I see with that, I mean, maybe this is me reading into it a little bit, but when you when the guy is so obviously so good, I mean, he's the se- what is he, was he the number one rated HLTV player? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I suddenly doubted myself for a second, but no. um, he, you know, he's being told by everyone objectively, like, you're the best player in the world, and his own team is playing him down the whole time. I mean, what does that do to your psyche? Are you going like, okay, is this is this just what everyone else is saying, and, you know, my own team doesn't believe it? Where's their confidence in me? I mean, that, that can really mess with you psychologically. If you look at some younger players, I mean, think back to Kenny S in his time in, like, very games where he got kicked, that's that sort of thing. I mean, fantastic player, but was you know basically told well marching orders you're, you're too arrogant so yeah. i mean, well, I mean are, are they trying to like hard counter that happening to zaru what what the hell it's just it's so bizarre i don't i don't get why they why they play him down yeah i mean there to was that degree that, there I mean, was to a degree that... it makes sense but to the degree that they do it doesn't make sense 
Yeah, the, the problem is like if you looked at well, what went down last year when they posted that one stat where I, I forget exactly what um, when it was, but they they posted that stat because I was like plus one thousand after a certain yeah. number of maps. So I've just looked at the the, up, uh, the updated statistics now. After 346 maps, I was plus 2,255. <laughs> wow. The next highest is Apex at plus 103. Wow. Jeez. So, that is so, so literally, literally, I mean, are, are the others even in pluses, Sean? Uh, MBK is at plus 32. He's no longer on the team, obviously. And Happy is the only other plus at plus 100. Alex is at that negative is 100. RPK is at ne- negative 48. And Shox is at negative 50. <laughs> that is a stark difference. Like, I mean, the the problem is like you could maybe get away with downplaying Zaiwu if the team was less lopsided. But when he's got twenty times the next player on your team's kills in terms of positive KD, it's yeah, it's a team effort, guys. <laughs> okay, uh, throwing flashes. It's team Zaiwu. That's the <laughs> effort. Team Zaiwu. So everyone else just looks at their FAs, their flash assists. They're like, "Yep, doing my job." <laughs> I mean, we're we're making light of this, of course. We're not saying that they're not doing anything. It's just, again, in the context of the of of, of the interviews, the way they just seem to go to pains to go like, oh, it's not it's not just Zaiwu. That that to me is, I think, to all of us is just a little bit mystifying because you'd almost think you'd want to give the guy plaudits. You'd want him to play even better, hit even greater heights when you tell him, listen, man, you you are doing everything for us. You're the man. We're going to set you up. Go out there, freaking kill everything. I mean. That's what Kenny S got back in Titan. I mean, and I'd almost argue, okay, I can't argue actually, Kenny S's individual form in Titan was the best of any player individually ever, I think, for that period of time. But, um, you know, Zaiwu, the consistency of being that close to that level of performance for so long, you just think they'd want to kind of like give the guy every resource, give him every bit of confidence, whatever they can, just make him keep doing that. Apparently not. Yeah, I think there's also an element of overconfidence that could come into the equation, though. Um, and you don't want to make it uh, make the situation in Zaiwu's head that it's like, shit, okay, <laughs> I really need to pop off now every single game. My team has told me how important I am and how important it is that I do really well every single time. And it's like, maybe if they do push the narrative a bit more that it is the team game, which is getting them all the success, it gives him a little bit more freedom in that so you're regard. you're going with the 4D chess might, argument, yeah. Hey, I take hey. a little bit more pressure off of him. So, yeah, I think it, it could be an interesting discussion. I think you're wrong, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go with it. Don't you always? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <laughs> so, I think um, we go, let's get back to Navi, actually. Navi's yeah. an, an interesting conversation Agreed. in all of this. I mean, Simple had a great tournament. Um, yeah, back like, on the AWP, of course. Yeah, in fact, all of the players had had moments that they looked pretty good, but simple on the AWP, I think, made a huge difference. Yeah, he did. Um, I mean, it, it was interesting to see how quickly he got back to the devil because sometimes when you've shifted out of a role, it takes a, you know, a, a tournament or two to get back there. But Simple did look a lot better than he has um, just in a couple of the re- recent tournaments that they've played. And they seemingly turned it on. I mean, Boomich was having uh, a situation as well, a a pretty good tournament as well. Flamey popped off a little bit. Uh, Electronic, I think, maybe dipped. But outside of those two, or outside of Electronic, they were all pretty good. And that new kid, uh, Perfecto, I mean, all he did was just like, he just wasn't terrible. And that's that's kind of all you need at this point. I mean, (laughs) we had a procession of actual, literal, terrible players. Yeah. 
um, not being terrible is actually quite a. And I mean, he didn't hog the AK or the SG. That's also another yep. another plus. <laughs> didn't hog the book deal either. The sports it's, cars. <laughs> it's quite interesting though, because heading into the weekend, they actually dropped their first series against Vitality two zero, and they weren't even yeah, incredibly looked, convincing games either from Navi's it, perspective. It, it looked like the classic Navi. Yeah, and it was like look good and then just fall apart for no reason. Yeah. Um, so I think some people are a little bit skeptical heading into the weekend, but, uh, their next match straight away, straight away, an elimination match, nonetheless, as well against Australis. A team that's like always had their number. Exactly. And they come back there. I mean, Simple was even saying he can't even remember the last time they beat them in a best of one, let alone a best of three. So that must've been really vindicating for him. And they got slammed on the first match, you know, so early on in 2020, to already have that would just settle the nerves. I mean, how, how do you think that feels per, for Perfecto in his first best of three for Navi already getting the scalp of Australis online? I mean, that must be giving him a world of confidence. And like yeah. you said, Mike, they lost train 16-6, which was their map pick as well, by the way, to then go into nuke against Australis, which like historically Jeez. is just like a great no, nobody want to fuck with Australis on nuke no. and, and to actually win the map. And then also fight really hard to win inferno that was a hard fought victory they, they, they came back they came back from like what 13 i think it was like 13 6 or something yeah exactly to, to i mean that's back. that is a highly impressive in an elimination match on a third map on inferno against Australis. so yeah, yeah. I, I think that the hype is warranted for sure i'm i'm really excited about this navi yeah, yeah, I mean, especially because, like, the third map as well, uh, Device was going, uh, he was going nuts on the orb. He almost carried that whole map for Astralis. The rest of the team wasn't looking good, but, yeah, you know, it, it was like Astralis, for, it was Device versus Simple on it that final map. It was, and, yeah. And Simple just, like, he just went in God mode, and they could just do nothing to, to stop him. And yeah. That's, that's what you want, just because we'd, we'd seen, like, Simple was always, like, he was still fantastic, Um. Once, once he'd been taken off the AWP and, and Guardian joined, he was still fantastic, but he wasn't that like ultimate guard where like you could just do nothing. There was just nothing you could do to stop him when he went into those games. Um, and once he's gone, since he's gone back to the AWP, particularly in that Astralis series, it just looked like a, he he just found um, old simple again or yeah. old new simple. Um, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what what everybody was waiting for is because that player is what everybody called the greatest of all time or not everybody but a great chunk of us you know said like that guy is the goat and if you get him if 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 we can get him back great because we want to see goat simple versus um the 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 absolute best of zaiwu versus the absolute best of astralis because yeah Yeah. if, if if these teams and that's the thing that must be said with um the the whole uh last tournament is that it wasn't like the top tier teams that did well it was like that level just below that seemed to have um, come together. And that's exactly what we wanted because the whole of last year, it was like the top end of the scene was great. It was uh, towards the end of the year, obviously, Astralis, Mouse Sports, and, and um, Team Liquid were, were the real front runners. They even the Liquid didn't win much. But for the last two years, it's really only been like three or four teams at the top. And then the next uh, batch down were decent, but never really in danger of winning tournaments. And it just feels like right now that, the top 10 is we're at like 2017 levels, 20, like late 2016 levels of stacked top 10. Yeah. That's a pretty fair assessment. 
Come back to simple. Don't you think it, this this whole tournament sort of puts paid to that whole like I wanted to orp. Orping was good for me. Um, but you know, I wanted to give away the orp. Sorry, having the rifle was good for me. Yeah, I mean, God, yeah, I that I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't actually almost even know if Simple believed in like what he was saying at that point. Again, it's that PR response, though, yeah. right? I mean, how could he say anything otherwise with Guardian coming into the team? Not only would he contradict the move to the public, but that would really affect Guardian's mentality as well. So I, you know, I think that was just that situation where. He, he did, there wasn't really any other answer he could have given in that situation. You know, he had to be as positive as he could have, and and but probably believe it as well. I mean, because it was happening regardless. So whether genuinely deep inside he thought that or not, he still had to adopt that mentality. It does show you the maturity that he has now compared to three or four years ago yeah. when he was kind of known as that toxic player. Now he is the team ultimate team man as well. I mean, he works harder than everyone else. He plays better than pretty much any anyone else, and he'll still do what the team sort of asks of him whereas i mean a lot of players would just go all like you know sat up you know nico style basically but um you know in, in his case um he, he's actually I, I think matured into the, the kind of guy that you'd, you'd want on just about any team r- rather than yeah. just being in a team of of his uh fellow cis players so yeah i, th- yeah. I think he's amazing you know what they say though nobody knows more about the sin than the sinner so uh <laughs> makes sense that he's come such a long way and he's so so mature now and really such a team player because he understands how important that element of the game is. And I remember yeah. him saying that he credits Blade a lot as well for, for helping the team as, as, along with the structure, but also the mentality and the attitude and the culture in the team. Did you notice so, in the interviews that Blade was like looking up into the, the one side the whole time and not at the interview? It was like, uh, it was, it was like he was looking at like, some other force that was telling him what to say or something. It was just... <laughs> you get, you, let's be honest though. I mean, you get some really interesting characters and interviews from esports people and personnel. <laughs> I mean, there's just some people who are really struggle being on the camera and actually trying to portray their thoughts. But, I mean, his thoughts were pretty good. Like he no, actually, I'm not really saying that about him. I'm just saying yeah, that leads just... to the conversation. But you, you, you are right. Some, I mean, you get some, some super characters. interesting characters. Sometimes. But I was just like it's... watching him going like, what is he looking at? Like, I mean, yeah. something I mean, up there is he... telling him what to say. And he's like, yeah, yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> it's obviously just, um, you know, he's not a natural English speaker. So just, Sitting yeah, there having to like, like think very, a little very bit more. To, yeah. But I mean, like the, that is the one thing that I am glad about is that the um or that Navi looks like their plan is actually starting to work. They look like they have a plan, which is great. They, they look like they have a plan. It, it, I don't know. Again, is it sustainable in the same way that um we we had that uh, issue or that that discussion about complexity is it sustainable that boomich makes as many solid calls as he did uh, in in uh, that weekend because that's the thing that's it's always looked slightly off is that navi always had the fragging power but it just didn't feel like boomich was making the right calls at the right time as in you, you you know you can get an incredibly intelligent igl but sometimes he just doesn't know how to read the game and know when to make what decision um and that's what it felt like. It, it just felt like sometimes Navi was too structured. And that was always the worry with Blade is that Blade's one of those ultra uh, old school IGLs where everything is, um, you know, super structured. He's like basically a, a chess player directing players around the board. And that's never going to fit this Navi. There's just too much firepower. The players don't really fit that style anyway. So you want to let, let them off the leash a bit. And that it looked like they'd brought 
a little bit more of that in and it just turned the whole team loose. Also, you have to acknowledge that simple getting the, the orb back is going to make a massive difference, but it just the team looked like they they were more on the same page than they were previously. Definitely. Um, so I think next let's uh, move over to talking a little bit about OG and G2, in fact, because in both cases it was quite a surprising turnaround from how things started for them in, in uh, Blast Premier. I mean, OG's match against uh, Evil Geniuses, particularly that one. I mean, if, you, if you'd if you pieced out after the first map and you'd come back at the end, you would have been super confused. <laughs> Was... Yeah, I, I mean, even if we wind the clock back a little bit to the start of the weekend, um, where they played against each other, let's let's first mention that heading into the weekend, Evil Geniuses were by far the favourites to win the group comfortably as well. They've yeah. been very confident on social media recently, right. quite open about how how much they've been grinding and how hard they've been working heading into this event as well. So. And, and and they also they did start to have a bit of a hiccup towards the end of last year. So I think people had high expectations now that they've had a bit of time off to right those wrongs and actually get into the year, you know, work work off all that burnout and actually um, come out with the bang. And doesn't really work out in their favor. They win Inferno 16-14, but they end up losing to OG, which was just like a crazy upset, right? On OG, their own pick of Nuke as well. Yeah, OG heading into the event where a team that nobody had put down as a potential to win it or at least make it through to the finals. Mm. So I, I think that was crazy that they, they get slammed. Well, not slammed. Sure, it was a really close game. But for a team who had such high expectations, it, it didn't quite work out at all. I mean, the, the one thing that I it must be said is that somehow um, OGs managed to make Mantu work. Now... Like he's apparently uh, he's registered as British, but I think he's actually Polish. I'm not 100 percent certain. Like, I think he plays out of Britain, but is actually a Pole. So I'm not 100 yeah. percent certain where they exactly how they got him. But it oh, this OG team is basically just it just shows how valuable a leader Alexi B is. Yeah, because if you check at the statistics on this team, like his his stats are terrible, but Mantu and Valde are doing mad work this is chipping in a little bit maybe um you know like you could ask perhaps a little bit more from him but the fact that they've just gotten Mantu, uh they took it like a massive chance in Mantu, and he's come he's come good and volde as well like volde was he massively fallen off from those highs that he had in 2018 when a lot of people were saying you know like he's by far the best danish player outside of of astralis and, and if astralis ever changed he would definitely be first of the block but since he's joined OG and and especially at this event, that team just looked absolutely magnificent. When you listen to the comms, Alexi B um, seemed like a fantastic leader. So, I mean, this it, it's obviously just going to you know throw more sand in in Ince's faces. But like clearly, Alexi B was was definitely not the problem with uh, that Ince <laughs> team. Yeah, and the fact that he's turned like let's be real. If 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 somebody told you a team two years ago of Valde, Mantu, Issa, Alexi B, and NBK would have beaten this Evil Geniuses lineup. Like, yeah, you would have laughed. Y- yeah, you you genuinely would. Yeah, have you would have said, "Who's so nuts?" And they beat them twice. Yeah, they beat them twice. Two uh, two zero. It's two uh, one in in um, series. So it's like, yeah. it's insane to think that that team could just pull that off. And I think they did get. There's obviously a lot of luck, but they got smashed in the, in that. Um, the third place playoff, they got smashed on their own pick of train 16 four. Then they smashed them straight back on Mirage. And like, 
uh, Evil Genius's Mirage last year was like terrifying. There were teams like even um, Liquid, you know, would would perhaps pause at playing Evil Geniuses on Mirage. So it it really was crazy. And it's again, did Evil Geniuses come in undercooked? Because it, if you look at all the top teams that we would have expected, they didn't do as well as we thought. But Evil Geniuses have traditionally started off slow, and yeah, then got, and it looked like they. I mean, they absolutely smashed. Um, who was the other team in the group here? Uh, 100, 100 thieves. thieves. They smashed 100 thieves in that first series that they yeah. played them in, in the fourth place playoff. So they coming in. OG didn't look great, and Evil Geniuses just like nailed them on the first map, and then OG just just pulled it back. And I think that that speaks a, a hell of a lot to to how well this team is, has um, been put together, and that like they're functioning as a team. Because that's yeah. always been the problem with Evil Geniuses is that when they're rolling and Stanislaw can read everything, he is like, they, they become an untouchable team because Stan just has, you know, when he's in that moment, he's very, very difficult to to, to combat. But against OG, they just uh, completely shut it down in the, in those, uh, in, in both series uh, in the last two maps. So it shows the mental fortitude to come back and it shows the, the that they can actually uh, compete with Evil Geniuses um, maybe not head to head across all five players, but uh, Mantu and Valde is certainly doing a hell of a lot more. I mean, Cirque again had a, a horrible series in, in um, both of them. So it's you've got to wonder like how long does this Evil Geniuses team go before they start considering that like something needs to change? We have to see. I, th- I think in their case, you can also just attribute it to the same thing of being a little undercooked coming into the first tournament of the year. Yeah. But we're going to have to judge, you know, a couple tournaments time. That could very well be a very serious question for them. Um, I think the OG team, though, coming back to them, they just look like they're a team that's sort of more than the sum of their parts. Because if you look at their parts, their parts are okay, but it's not, you know, it's I mean, not... outside outside of Volde, yeah, you, you and even Volde was massively dropped off from what he. Yeah, you just look at it and go, well, I mean, why have NBK and Alexi be kind of like one of them is probably surplus to requirements or, you know, Esso is a very inconsistent player in his time in, in Hellraiser. So in general, you look at it and go like, yeah, they're okay. They should be able to beat, you know, tier two teams and maybe one day, you know, Volley will have a good game or, you know, they can take a map off someone and somehow they've they've actually looked a hell of a lot better than that. So I, I think that is, again, just another feather in Alexi B's cap, as you were saying. It's just... <laughs> how much were, how much more is the the knife going to be dug in here for for ends of how dumb that decision was i mean you know, yeah I he wasn't that... doing anything yes we totally believe you and like now you've been shown to be re- you know freaking lying through your teeth yeah that there. that quote from ariel is going to be etched into history about uh, how he was saying we felt like we had to remove alexi b to start competing consistently with the best teams in the world and to become the best team in the world ourselves We've, we felt capped, Faith basically, palm. was the essence of what he was saying. Um, He's so, never going to yeah, live that it, down. I, the, problem I know. Is, the problem is also, it's just like, He's clearly not a first language English speaker, so maybe it has been lost a little bit in translation in his sure. mind. But that is, like, every single time something like this happens with, with Alexi B, it's just going to be a, a, another dagger into ends heart and there's nothing there's nothing they can do about it that's the bed yeah. they they made they're gonna lie in it now so yeah um, clearly, it, just, we'll... it just goes, yeah it just goes to show that like 
good IGLs are incredibly hard to find. It, it just so feels don't like get rid of them. We've seen this movie before, though, yep. and that's what perplexes me the most about why they chose to do it. It's it's happened with Carrigan before as well. It, it, we go back. There's numerous examples of where teams felt like they needed to cut their IGL in favor of more firepower, and it's completely backfired. Even the likes of Stiko out of Mars Sports, you know, again, that was something that was heavily criticized at the time. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's at least I feel like IGLs are starting to get the recognition they deserve okay. now because we're starting to head back into that era of how important it is to actually have an IGL who has what it takes to lead a team and not just only frag. That's not what it's all about. There's so many other important factors that come into play. That, uh, that it's important that you have somebody who's ta- capable of taking on those responsibilities. I mean, I think it also massively speaks towards uh, the, the team balance. I mean, you were mentioning Stiko there, like removing Stiko just absolutely ruined that version. Yeah. And um, I think it, it, it's shown, well, hopefully it's shown a lot of players that sometimes team balance is more important than just all out um, skill level on the team. You, yeah. you need the guy that's that's not going to be a good player, but is going to make you better. It feels like we're at the end of that era, though. I mean, that was like a, what, like so. 2017, end of 2017 through 2019. It was like firepower, firepower, firepower. Yeah. And it's like, okay, wait, hang on a second. Yeah, it's that's not, we can't have five messies yeah. and just like, you know, hope to beat everybody. There's actually more to it. There's more layers that have to be considered than just taking off heads you know i mean like i think uh navi's gone through that where they try to just like load up on skill uh when they got guardian obviously guardian turned out to be terrible but yeah um i think with this this new kid perfecto it looks like they've got a little bit of a better balance um liquid i think liquid's probably the only one that's still going outrageous skill uh, yeah, all sure. them and um and phase maybe or them phase and, e- and eg but i mean phase obviously uh, we've sort of skipped them but they went uh, like just Huge. rampage through their yeah. group. I mean, but, you look at yeah. their round difference, like 53 rounds or it something like so that. so good, eh? It was yeah. but, but again, like, um, all those teams are, are brittle in that if they if they are flowing, they're untouchable. But when they're not flowing, they, they look distinctly mortal. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of the, the Tier 2 teams have, have learned, and that's probably what they've picked up from Astralis, is that... If you can't have outrageous levels of skill, it's better to have a, a balanced team. Because it's, it's easier yeah. to find a balanced team than outrageous skill. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And I think tying that back into our original the conversation, OG is the epitome of that, actually. I, I, I mean, obviously, Astralis is the epitome, but I mean, coming back to this example, OG it, it ties into that conversation as well. They don't have that outrageous skill. They don't have some crazy aimer, Zaiwu, Nico, Simple, whatever whoever it may be, they're, they're a team who's built on communication and uh, and much deeper ties than just fragging. And uh, and it shows that it's actually a more sustainable model, like you were saying, mm. to go down that road. It does seem also like, I, I think, you know, we're saying all of this, but it also depends very greatly within a team, whether it's the players choosing the other players or whether it's, um, you know, somebody like a coach or a manager or something, because often when it comes down to the players making the choice we see the players make a horrendous decision where they go like okay well we want somebody who frags more you know we're tired of this guy telling us what to do and we're tired of him not fragging so screw him we're going to get somebody who won't tell us what to do and he'll frag more and we've seen how how well that goes it's just yeah i think a lot of it comes down to do you 
do you allow the players that level of agency over it or um, is it going to be somebody with a more sort of overall top-down view on the thing? Because I don't think if you if you were to say look at a, a current Navi, for instance, with a guy like Blade, he probably wouldn't let that happen just because he's trying to find a team that's that's actually going... I mean, obviously... I mean, he's picked Guardian players thing, on but Yeah, exactly. You, you, you look yeah. at that and you think, okay, well, he's finding the balance, finding the technical approach, that sort, that sort of thing. Whereas you look at some a team like Enz, for instance, who is their coach? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> You're going to come up with a name at some point, but it's just... Is you, it Twister? Yeah. But... You don't you don't hear that level of input. You're not hearing you know that yeah, no, that, sure. that, that that sort of level of, of information isn't coming back to us anyway as to you know what what that guy's doing. So I just kind it's of actually yeah. It's sorry. It's funny you mentioned that the coach of Ents in that example because there was an interview with him, and he didn't say it in as many words, but he definitely sounded like he was against the move of uh, removing Alexi. He he didn't out. He he was basically saying. Is very diplomatic. He was like, "Yeah, Please don't there was a bit me. of a there was a bit of a divide in the team. Uh, they using a word like they they felt like Alexi needed to go. Um, you know, I personally maybe thought more time, or I didn't. I didn't think you know trying to just give his little opinion there. But yeah, in the end, he was saying it, it seemed like it was the general consensus of the team. And he, as the coach, actually didn't have power to overrule that. that, that in a team like Vitality X T X T Q Z." Not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but he is the man who does the managing, uh, and, and it seems like Malik is probably a similar situation for G two. And it mm-hmm. seems like these teams are actually having more stability, where the coaches are actually taking on more responsibilities than just being an analyst and giving in a bit of chipping, chipping in a bit here, here and there. It actually has to be some team management from that perspective as well. And I think it actually does bode well for a team when you relinquish that extra responsibility Can and you... allow them to focus on the game itself. Agreed. Can you imagine if uh, football teams chose their, their teammates? Can you imagine yeah. what, what an absolute clusterfuck well, that would be? I mean, like... the one player that uh, we mustn't uh, fail to mention in OG is, is NBK. Because if we're talking about the kingmaker of, of France, this guy and Alexi B put that team together. For yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they were two guys who kind of ousted from Came the teams first. and yeah. sort, of, sort of built that together. So, I mean... That that is a is a is a great thing. I guess the kingmaker is no longer making the kings in the French scene anymore. But it did take a very long time for him to be cycled out there. If you consider, I mean, yeah. he was he's been involved in there for what the better part of a decade. So and yeah. he's still young. So uh, he's, yeah, he, he he clearly knows how to build a team. He and Alexi B. So. I mean, he made Vitality as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. I mean, he he built that. But I mean, the... that's that's also an example of a player with a lot of drive and a, who has that more sort of overall view, but. I'd say the majority of teams where it comes down to the individual players actually trying to decide what to do. I think as an org, you, if, especially with the amount of money that's involved with leagues like Flashpoint where you've got to spend $2 million to be part of it and you know EPL slots being far more rare these days, your access to money as an org is quite limited and a lot of it relies on your players actually being good. If you allow those guys, you know, we're talking like 18-year-olds, 20-year-olds to decide the fate of... Uh, what happens to you is like that seems irresponsible it feels to me like that the transition between amateur and and pro almost like we do need to see more team managers and almost the football sort of sense where guys sitting at the top of the tree going this is the overall vision i've got the coaches telling the guys on a tactical level what to do i've you know got the captain in the team who's whose ear i've got and he's kind of dictating to the towards the guys what, what i want from them and it's more of a 
a top-down structure rather than just a bunch of players going like, ah, geez, he wasn't friendly at breakfast. Fuck him, let's kick him. That's what's happened in League of Legends. Um, The the, uh, players almost never make decisions there anymore. It's it's all about uh, the the team owners and the team managers that choose who gets to to, um, get into the team. And like you said, that is what you need. Because you can't have a twenty-year-old making or you know a twenty-one-year-old making decisions on uh, a team that's worth two million dollars. Like you can't have that. It's just never going to work long term. Absolutely agreed. Of course, I agree because I brought it up. <laughs> but um, I think the other team maybe we we needed just well, you mentioned phase very briefly. The the one guy that I want to actually single out there is Brokey's performance in that first week of of last premier. I mean, he really really looked like a revelation almost. I, I kind of thought he was in this team to be a yet another scapegoat in the long line of scapegoats to yeah. to get kicked eventually. You know, like if he's terrible, it's his fault. That's why we're not winning. Keep giving us your money, kind of vibe that that phase almost seemed to have had in the past. Um, but he was fantastic. I mean, I didn't know that he was an orper. I'm not even sure he knew he was an orper, but he looked yeah. great. In an interview with Olaf, he was absolutely singing Brokey's praises. And uh, to to have that coming from a man of Olaf Meister's statue, statue that's quite something. Um, and yeah, I mean, Olaf was saying he felt a little bit restricted on the orp. So they've decided to pass that off to Brokey now. And he's, he said you can give Brokey any role. And he's actually capable of of taking it up and, and doing it successfully. And I feel like that's that's almost the definition of the modern player, right? It's like these these younger guys who are up and coming, It's they're, they're capable of doing so many different things, not just committing to one hard definitive role, which has, you know, been the the past, you know, few years of Counter-Strike having an entry frag and or, or just all these committed roles. It's so much more fluid these days. Everybody has to be able to do everything because at a moment's notice, mm-hmm. you have to shift from a lurker to an entry fragger the game is just so much so much more dynamic than it used to be. And that's yeah. why we're seeing the teams who are able to evolve are managing to actually keep up with the times. You know, so having a player like Brokey balances out that phase team so much um, and actually just almost allows them to keep in touch with that modern era, if, if you will. Yeah, got to agree with you on that one. And uh, yeah, maybe that's a discussion for another time about whether roles still even exist in the traditional form within Counter-Strike anymore. And uh, I think we were having this conversation over dinner a while ago, you know, when we were planning our our, our podcast to rule the world. Of course, we know. Over a, a kilogram of rubs. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was great. That was that was good. Uh, a wife beater, Stella, just so you guys know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah it's just, the, the roles thing. Over um, prime pork group was was an interesting discussion, and maybe it's something we'll bring out at a future one. But in general, like you said, it's just every player in the in the modern era now. You got to be able to do what the situation requires, and I think Brokey really epitomized that very well. I mean, back in the day, you would have thought Olaf Meister is one of those guys who can kind of do anything, but he was an anomaly in 2016. Now it's it's become more more of a common thing, and uh, I mean, the guy astounded me. I I, I'm singing his praises just because I guess it, it took me by surprise. The complexity thing obviously was a big surprise that they won, but I mean, I did think Poison was going to be good, but you know, somehow I expected nothing of Brokey, honestly. So, and it was good seeing Rain performing like he used to. Olaf looked pretty decent as well. Cold was was clutching. Nico was 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 hitting his shots. So in general, like 
they look dialed in. The problem, I guess, you you got to say is looking at that. It's almost kind of the scenario that you would have seen out of out of Team Liquid last year as well, where it's just if they're doing what they do and they're all playing to their potential, they're untouchable. But if they are not, what is the plan B? And I guess we're we're probably going to find out pretty soon because that that style of play, as Liquid showed, is is not sustainable. Well, the problem is, like you're saying, the the B and C game just doesn't exist. And without a BNC game today, it becomes very, very difficult because they have nowhere to grind out games. And I mean, you can see it with OG. OG could come back in a grindy game against Evil Geniuses. And... Yeah, I think um, something I was also mentioned while we're while we're we're still here on Blast because we we've spoken about Blast for quite a long time now. But it's, <laughs> it was a great tournament, so why not talk yeah. about it? We and paid... it was long as well. I, I know, was, yeah, before yeah. you stray away from it, there's just one or two more things I'd like to say. Well, but you. You're not going too far. I don't Stop think. interrupting me, you bastard. I can't help it. <laughs> you talk too much. I know. Uh, Liquid is the team we were mentioning a little bit there. They actually also qualified, um, came in fourth to sixth place. They just felt to me like they kind of did what they needed to do. It didn't feel like vintage Liquid, but it, they didn't seem quite as sort of undercooked as some of the other top teams. So they, they sort of made it through without... You know, too much fanfare, and I don't really think it deserves a hell of a lot of conversation because we didn't see the best of them, but at least they weren't horrendous. Yeah, I think I think one of the big talking points about their weekend or their group is that they got two owed by FaZe twice. Um, yeah. I feel like that's, it's like the first one, it's the same as Evil Genius and EG and OG. It's like the first BO3, you're like, okay, I can I can write that off as almost the first match of the year. It's, you know, the first official at the land venue. And then both FaZe and, G- and OG do it again, um, beat them in another best of three. And it's like, okay, wait, all of a sudden, that this is actually looking a lot more legit. And not only did they beat them, they thumped them. Yeah, It was uh, very one-sided games from FaZe in those victories over Liquid. 16-9 on Mirage, 16-2 on Dust in the first occasion, and then Dust again, 16-12, Inferno, 16-5. And they pretty much won all of those games in the first half as well, by the way. So it was like... FaZe were just light years ahead, but this is exactly what we were talking about. We we're saying FaZe has that plan A. And when plan A works, it's like looks good. They they've got potential to actually be the best team in the world if plan A is always working out. But plan A gets tested and, and doesn't work out like it did in this event, then what do they fall back on? It's gonna be a lot more difficult for them and, so and it becomes... liquid, liquid kind of played out what phase is probably going to go through a little bit later in in the year at some yeah, point. Yeah, so. you're right. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that comparison. Did, yeah. Didn't you also get the impression, especially on that dust game? I, I felt some of the, um, how should I say, uh, the the shadow of some of their games on dust against Australis last year, where they were just stuck in this perpetual save kind of mentality. Like Liquid seems to have this thing when they're getting slammed, they just try and save their guns and they don't go for for the retake. They just keep the gun and then they do nothing with it the next round, and that thing just yeah, it keeps happening, and you look at that sixteen-two scoreline. It's it it shows you that all of that sort of playing safe didn't really do anything for them. It didn't do anything against Astralis last year, and it didn't do anything now. I'd almost say just with the the prodigious skill that they have, maybe they need to go for it a little bit more because they really do come across as if they don't have the confidence or something. Yeah, yeah, fear of failure, maybe you know that yeah. that's could be creeping in after reaching such highs throughout 2019 you, you still uh, just ask yourself though i mean if you if you reach such highs you break records you dominate competition for so long somehow you're still mentally fragile enough to allow yourself to crumble when astralis 
decide to play Counter Strike again. It's just yeah. like how how do you let yourself get into this, such a mental state? It shows you how important confidence is, but also, I mean, what's the coach doing? And cl- clearly, he's not uh, giving them inspirational um, any I, I given Sunday speeches. You know, I mean, he's just, yeah. I don't is Adren that type of coach? I mean, though? at the best of times, he looks hapless and confused. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he's. I, I, I'm assuming. I feel like he's more of an analyst than a coach. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, he, he's he's certainly very competent. I mean, he's he's probably taught a lot of Counter Strike players their trade. If you go back yeah, to like sure. 2014, 2015, and his sure. YouTube yeah. content, he's very eloquent. But he doesn't seem to be that that kind of leader. And I don't think that team has it. I mean, that's the topic's obviously been covered to death by other podcasts. But yeah, it just does feel like. They don't have that figure. You'd kind of hope Stewie would be that, but apparently not enough. Problem is Stewie's going through his own issues in terms of his, his just natural form, and that's going to affect your own confidence. So the problem is if he's the only person doing that when he's playing badly, it's much less likely that he's going to be the one that sits then she's up the rest of the team. And it just, yeah. just filters through the rest of the team. Yeah. I mean, uh, the one team I think that we have probably skipped a little bit is, is probably G2 as well. That's where I was going next. Opened yeah. my mouth to say it and you just took the words right there. I mean, G2 finally looking like uh, they can string more than one series together at looking good. Very surprising, honestly. Just, I mean, if I look at the results, 2-0, 2-0, 2-1. I mean, yeah. for G2 Kenny team... Looking... Kenny looking real good again. Yeah. Super, super, Jeezy super was happy. sharp, eh? I mean... That series against Hundred Thieves, the, like the level of domination that that Kenny laid down there, is I mean, it was it was like some of those shots were sort of like you know you're just catching your breath. You're like, how did he do that? But I mean, this is what we expected from Kenny in the past, and we haven't seen a hell of a lot of him in the last couple of years. So it's it's good to see him back there. It's good to see G two looking okay because I mean, I think they they took a lot of pain at the hands of a, a Cloud Nine or was it eighty k at the time? It so, was yeah. You know, that's a few months back already. I mean, that ATK team made their name again, you know, beating G2. They got picked up by Cloud9, obviously a couple of South Africans in the team. Um, so, you know, we, we know about them, but I don't think even us were sort of expecting G2 to be as bad as they were there. So I think without making any player changes, they somehow have picked themselves up and actually, you know, fulfilled their potential to, to a degree. Of course, this is one event, so we'd expect them to you know potentially still slip up somewhere but i'd hope they can keep this going because they they really looked like a team it didn't look like disparate elements like it looked like last year yeah yeah the one thing that i've i've actually felt with this g2 team is that ever since their inception they've just been incredibly busy with events they haven't really had an opportunity to go to the drawing board and actually figure out their fundamentals and figure out their roles keep in mind they were also shifting from a french team to an english speaking team which completely changes the dynamic as well True. and uh, i'm looking at their events now and they were they were playing three events a month sometimes in some cases so it's like when those problems started to creep in they didn't really have the time to go to the drawing board and figure out the solutions to them and actually work through those issues and now that there has been this extended player break they've had some time where they can actually you know, deeply discuss their issues and figure out what those core problems were and i feel like with their coach malik i think he plays a really big role in um, developing the structure in the team. And now that they've had that time, I think we're seeing the results and they're reaping the rewards of investing that time. Um, and I think that they are going to be a force to be reckoned with in 2020. Again, it's, uh, in my opinion, another one of those teams that's greater than the sum of its parts. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited to see what they can do. Hopefully they can keep it going because, uh, yeah, I just want to see Vintage Kenny. I want to see him doing his thing. Let's not on forget Kenny. Hunter either. I mean, you know that he actually holds the record for the longest, uh, or, okay, maybe not the record, but he holds uh, a 32 match, or uh, 32 consecutive matches with a one-plus rating. Actually just got broken this weekend. That's longer than Simple and Zywoo, so Jeez. quite interesting. Probably against a lower level of competition, I would imagine, at some point there. But uh, I mean, crazy. not all of the... No, I mean, uh, I think all of the matches are actually under the G2 banner, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, okay. Well, that, that's pretty impressive then. I 32 mean, maps to... Sorry, to correct yeah. myself. L- yeah. Let's let's be honest, though. For a large period last year between him and his, his cousin, Nico, he probably was actually the better player. You know, yeah, Based on how sure. poor Nico's form was. I mean, Nico is looking imperious again, but... You know, considering Hunter's considered the the, the poor cousin, um, he's he's done pretty well. I mean, Nico was what tenth, I think, in HLTV top twenty twenty nineteen. That must have stung, yeah. Uh, well, am I correct? Or uh, I mean, I'm uh, can't be far I don't, off. I don't remember actually. A yeah. player of a player of Nico's caliber. I mean, that is just devastating. You you think he's got to be like top three, top four at all times, just based on the natural ability that he has? But I, I think yeah. it's that whole thing of trying to trying to be the IGL, trying to do too much. Um, you know, I think it was possible to carry at that level of, um, you know, when he was in his absolute prime playing for mouse sports back in the day, but I don't think he's quite that dialed in anymore. So, you know, didn't really seem to work again. Another one of those, uh, you probably shouldn't have kicked the end game leader scenarios. Yeah. I um, think he'll get back to those heights though. Yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I don't know too much about what's going on within phase, but Hey, I, I hope to see them do well. Um, I think what we will move on to is let's talk about IEM Katowice because we've we got a bunch yeah. of other things to talk about, but we're, we're enjoying the sound of our voices and our bobbing talking heads <laughs> way too much here. So we probably need to move on with this one. We didn't want to make this podcast too long, but of course, you know, when you talk about Counter-Strike, passionate about Counter-Strike, it's what, kind of what happens. So we'll, we'll hit that um, IEM Katowice, I guess, preview we could, we could call it. I don't know if we were going to look at it like that, but... Uh, we look at this tournament, I am Katowice, essentially a world championship level event. It's got a ton of top teams. It is stacked. And I mean, those groups are, are insane. <laughs> and the, 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 the tournament formats, I mean, best of threes all the way through double Elam. I mean, it's whoever wins this, is, it's, it's as legit as it comes. I don't think this kind of tournament format at all lends itself to that sort of upset victory. I mean... If uh, if an IEM tournament was uh, was the Berlin major, there's no way Avangor were making it to the final. So, yeah, um, yeah I think these tournaments are, to me anyway, the gold standard of um, you know making sure that by the time you hit the playoffs, it's the guys who should be there. Yeah, one thing to mention is uh, that there's a few teams who will be playing their first matches of 2020. I guess there aren't too many. There's uh, Fnatic. Who will mm-hmm. be heading into this event as it being their first? Because it's just something we were discussing earlier about the Blast yeah. Premier and saying how teams have looked a little bit shaky at, with it being their first land event of the year. And I wonder if we're going to be seeing that as well here at IEM Katowice for the teams that will be playing for the first time. But as I look at the list, I don't think there's too many uh, mass sports played at that uh, Ice Bear Challenge that yeah. they won. Um, Cloud9 have been playing uh, a few matches as well. Yeah, so yeah, I mean... So yeah, I think let's let's actually look at the the first round matchups. I mean, we got Astralis Cloud Nine. Um, 
I don't think anyone's crazy enough to call Cloud9 to win that one. I mean, again, we got some of our people that are actually friends of ours playing in Cloud9, but yeah, I mean, we want to see them do well, but I mean, I, I don't know. There's no bones that I could throw or um, animal entrails that I could read that are going to tell me that. If, if Astralis's poor performance at um, Blast is uh, a sign of things to come rather than just a one-off, I do think Cloud9 has the smallest of chances. But the problem is, is that I just I don't see what edge Cloud9 has. You don't believe in the, your heart, Sean. You don't believe it in your heart. I, Come the on. Problem you, is like, you're trying it, to be play devil's no, advocate. No, I know. Yeah, what but... I'm saying is like if, if Astralis comes in undercooked, there is, there is a chance that Cloud9 can do so it. So let's put a, but, put a, put but, a numerical but, value to that chance. How much? 5%. Jeez, that's being generous. It's just like the problem is that like they have a, um, they don't have the same level of tactics. They don't have the same level of skill. They don't have the same level of team play. They don't have the same level of just like in like clutch factor. It's just there's just too many things that Cloud9 doesn't have an advantage over Astralis on. Like maybe Cloud9 has like the, the fact that Astralis probably wouldn't uh, hard scout them before the, the the tournament. But that's not an advantage against Astralis unless you are good enough to actually uh, tangle with them. So I just can't see Astralis failing two events in a row it's just it doesn't happen to that yeah point. that's that's what i was also going to touch on is it's like especially after this result um at blast premiere and i know that's quite ironic because normally when a team loses you'd say okay this is when they're the most vulnerable to actually losing a few more games and we actually did see that happen in 2019 for Astralis. there was that little run of of poor form but i think because they played so poorly, or not that they played so poorly, but they did so much worse than they would have expected at Blast Premier. They're going to be coming back with a serious vengeance and a serious point to prove heading into IAM. So, yeah, I, I think that they're going to be even more motivated after the loss, yeah. which doesn't bode well for Cloud9. And again, I just want to want to emphasize again for uh, all the South Africans uh, listening to this and getting really angry with us right now. Don't be stupid. You know in your heart that this is not that, that they're not going to win. But if they do win, let us just say this: that it would be the greatest upset probably in the history of Counter Strike. I mean, yeah. that complexity upset of Astralis actually ranks up there as one of the greatest upsets, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. If it happens again, it's you know it's 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 insane levels. It's one for the history books. So yeah, you know, if it happens, great. I would I'll... actually say this is a bigger upset. Oh yeah, that. it's definitely yeah. a bigger upset. I mean, yeah. so if, if it were to happen, amazing. And I'm only saying that again because I mean we're South African. If, yeah. We wouldn't even be mentioning it because honestly, <laughs> like nobody in their right mind would predict that. And of course, if they do, and you come to me and go, "Ah, fuck you, you don't know anything," it's like bullshit. Hindsight is twenty twenty. You yeah. don't fucking believe what you're saying at all. So <laughs> don't don't come with that shit. Um, as for, I mean, the, the next matches, uh, I need to actually open it again. Phase and Navi is a one Ooh, coming up after that. And that, that is such a cool game. Both of the teams are in red hot form at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a, a really good indicator. Oh, I think yeah, that, of that who's be... actually legit. Hey? said so it's going to be a really good indicator of who's actually legit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I was thinking as well. I mean, Simple looking so good. Nico looking so good. Cold as well. It's like, this is, this is, this is the type of, uh, form we want both of these teams in when they're going head to head, and I'm looking at the betting odds here. I see that Faze are uh, Faze are the favourites, but not That's by weird. much. Yeah. So my my question, what I want to bet on is who's going to outbet who? Will it be Nico or will it be Cold? 
<laughs> Jeez. No one outbaits cold, though, surely, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the. Don't the hurt joke. me, Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's that's going to be a clash of the titans, and it's also really going to be setting the tone for the rest of the event. I feel. Um, yeah, that that one's going to really good. make a statement there. So, yeah. So call it. What, what do you guys think? Who's 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 winning that one? I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy into the hype. I think that actually Faze will win that one. Well, I think Navi's got it. Eh? I'm going Navi as well. I mean, Simple just looks so imperious. I I can't believe that that Faze would actually be able to to sustain that sort of level. Again, I mean, we we we've, we've been saying for a long time that like if Faze can get their shit together, there's they've got that potential to literally be an unstoppable force and the best team that the Counter Strike scene has ever seen. Um, but they just it, it just doesn't that's always the conversation that's been having for like two years now let's actually take that that unstoppable force wait, i mean the unstoppable wait, wait, force wait. is mo- hitting the immovable object of some yeah i know but my, i'm just saying this has been the conversation for like two years now that phase has that potential to just be so strong and time and time again they keep on failing so it's like people yeah. have stopped actually you know genuinely believing that the nico and cold zero bond could be this bond to break counter strike i actually think judging of what i saw at blast premier that they could actually be starting to tap into that form and reaching that potential. And if they can do that more consistently, you know what, then then I do think they could be that unstoppable team. And I, I still have a little bit of faith that there is potential that this team could work and they could reach those heights that everybody was hoping they would. Well, sure. the, the, the problem is that um, at the end of the day, that team is not balanced. And that's going to be the biggest problem. Is that like whatever anybody wants to say about... Um, how that phase team is set up like there is just there's no proper igl i don't care what anybody says like the fact yeah, that, sure. that, like yeah they're running at the moment looks like a dual igl system where cold gives a bit of information to nico who then makes the 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 calls but like it's still um i still can't see that system working long time long term cool points have been made both sides we'll call it a draw <laughs> Nip versus Vitality. Vitality all the way doesn't need more discussion, I don't think. Anybody want to say Nip's going to win that one? No, nah, I, uh, I'm i in accordance with that. I, I can't see with this new Nip team. I mean, they, they look okay. They look like they have potential for the future. They just don't look like they're, the potential is going to be fulfilled now. Whereas, I mean, Zywoo. Sim- yeah. Well, not simple, but it's it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to find another synonym and I can't because it's late. Yeah, he's now. ruined that for you, man. Yeah, it's it's wrecked. Zaru's too good. Renegades, Fnatic. I mean, Renegades looked pretty good at um, which Dreamhack was it? A Dreamhack? Um, Austin? What was no. Anaheim. Anaheim. No, no, Anaheim's coming. No, up. it was the one that um, Leipzig. Leipzig. Sorry. Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, Leipzig. yeah, that's the one. It's the one C9 played at as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they um, look they look pretty good. Dexter looked great. Yeah, I they mean, did actually. They, they went all the way to the finals. Yeah, they did. I mean, to me, it was unexpected. Prof was saying that he did expect it because, of course, Mr. Hindsight over there. But <laughs> um, in general, I just don't, even though Fnatic haven't played this year, I don't see Fnatic um, letting the slip. I mean, Golden's of, Golden knows what he's on about. Surely yeah, I think I think this is, I, I agree, like on paper, but if there was ever an opportunity for Renegades to get one up on Fnatic, then this was it, right? The opening match of 2020 for Fnatic. A huge land, lots of expectation. They were playing really well towards the end of 2019 as well. So I think, you know, a lot more people are expecting big things from them right from the, the get-go, which is a, a fair expectation as well. I think they've got that expectation on themselves. 
Yeah. But just like I said, this is their first event. Renegades have been playing for a while now. They're going to be very hungry with their recent roster change. And I, I wouldn't actually put it past them to upset Fnatic, but highly unlikely. How long until this uh, Renegades team loses a player or two to 100 Thieves, though? Surely that's you know not going to not not going to go on forever. Dexter looks amazing, by the way. So I mean, well, yeah, and he's calling apparently. So I well, that's a that's a change. I always thought Sicko was the IGL. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong on that one, but um, I mean, the guy looks legit. So yeah, yeah. I, so I are we are we all in accordance there that that's fanatic. A, a fanatic fanatic W. Yeah, should be the two zero. I mean that that group is insane, but uh, the other group slightly less insane, I'd say. But it's still still some great matchups. Mouseports, Tyloo. I don't think anyone's gonna go for Tyloo there. I mean, yeah, well, especially Tyloo's since lost, lost their best player. Yeah, lost yeah, their best player. There's zero chance. Of no Bentet, yeah. so not happening. And even with Bentet, I don't and think even, it's happening. I mean, they they this isn't even the team supposed to be here. It was supposed to be Vici, but they couldn't get a visa. So damn. Um, it, it, like they're coming in underprepped uh, against a mouse sports team led by Carrigan, who is almost certainly going to be doing his work on them and knows mm. how to play those scrimmy games. It's, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. an that's like a nightmare matchup for a Tyloo team, to be honest. Then we got unless another... they pop off massively. I can't see that working. Yeah, absolutely. We got a rematch from you. You skipped over one there. Oh, oh, you're going back to that now. Yeah. Okay, my bad. Hundred thieves. Sorry, Mike. You're just so much further ahead of me. I'm just trying to move this, this shit along, bro. We're running out of time, yeah. So, <laughs> hundred thieves G two. I mean, that was pretty pretty emphatically G two over the, the last weekend of last premier. I, again, don't, not seeing it going another way if G two continue to play as they do. I mean, but guys... that hasn't been the case for G two. You know, if we look back over the past few months, it's been super hot one weekend, super on one game, and then just totally off the next. So. I'm I'm tentatively um, excited about them, but I am gonna I'm not I'm not gonna hold my breath. I think that 100 Thieves certainly have the opportunity to bounce back heading to this t- tournament. I think they're gonna be very disappointed with their performance at Blast Premier. So yeah, big game, and I, I actually think 100 Thieves are with definitely within a shout there. Yeah, um, if like when I was watching 100 Thieves in the weekend, it just feels like they don't have a person that can like open rounds for them at the moment. They, you like, think that's JKS, surely. The problem is he, he's so he's so good in the clutch that you don't see like you don't really want him going in first, or you know you don't want him as part of the entry pack consistently. Sure. And that's that's I think what Hundred Thieves is, is uh, struggling with at the moment is that JKS is fantastic in late round scenarios. Gratisfaction on the orb is solid, but he doesn't. He's not like he, he doesn't seem like he can uh, open the can so to speak with an orb. Like he's he's okay, but like he's he's not great by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's like yeah, you, he, he's sort of like um, a very weak version of device. You could almost say, in that like he'll play the percentages, but like he, he never seems to um, take the aggressive option and and just um, take the game by the scruff of its neck, which is what you need your opera to do. You can't just have an opera that sits there. He needs to be doing something with the weapon that powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting you say that you feel like or that they don't really have somebody who's capable of opening up the rounds because to me it feels like that's what Azza used to be for the yeah. team. And now since he's taken the role of the IGL, he's definitely yeah. you know dropped off a little bit and had to focus on a, bu- a bunch of other things. And generally we, we see a shift in roles and, mm. and, and game plan in that situation. So yeah, I actually think that could be a fair comment. And maybe Liaz, it's, it's on him to 
to be the one to step up and actually make those sporadic plays and get his team in a position where they can then, you know, propel off of into the round. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe they need somebody to actually start taking that initiative. That, and they'll that, work that out. I think that is something when you look at it, they do just tend to have like a, a lot of passive players. So it's yeah one of those things where, I mean, you say Elias needs to do that and he does, but, you know, he's also kind of like, it's a bunch of late round players, it, it almost feels like. So... That's yeah, you're why not going to get it from Jacob for sure. No, yeah. so that's that's yeah. why I say, you know, to me, it he, almost seems he's like he's the a, one that you'd probably have to bank on at, at, to do that a bit more, because he is good and, and he certainly could do that. But like that, that's the only player that I think you could get that out of. Like Liaz, Liaz is was never brought in to be a fragger. Like they they might say he's, he's you know he's pretty strong, but like the months that he's been there, what has he done? He's been okay. He's He's, he's like he's never been a weak link, but he's never been fantastic, and that I think is the the, the problem with Hundred Thieves is that JKS is clearly the best player. Azza is for his level a very good in-game leader, especially considering where he came from. Yeah, Jacob can have monster games, but you know it's it's, it's sort of like it's like a team of 65% players that with the potential to hit 90 on anyone at any one given time, but they never seem to make it work consistently on uh, all on their day. So when it works, they're fantastic. When it doesn't, they're difficult to beat, but at the end of the day, fairly simple to beat. You'd struggle. I think if for this team, for them to want to actually change anything, just because they've had their greatest success with this roster. Obviously, yeah. they had a yeah. large period of last but, year where they didn't have uh, greatest faction because of visa issues, so they didn't get to keep that momentum. But they're basically in the end spot. Yeah, the, the, the end spot from last year is that you're good enough to consistently be dangerous, but you're never going to win a tournament. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair comment. That's why I said Renegades probably are going to lose a player at some point when yeah. Hundred Thieves decide, okay, we do actually need somebody more aggressive. But anyway, we move on to the next one, Liquid versus Virtus Pro. I mean the new yeah. Virtus Pro older Avangar haven't really looked too hot so far. I think say. that's uh, actually an understatement. Yeah, I'm being kind kind to Yeah, them. they, they look horrendous. Really bad lately, which is unfortunate because they 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 were looking they looked like a solid unit as Avangar, right? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. that they, they they were probably a, a little bit overrated considering how high people were actually rating them. But their past couple of months have been abysmal. I mean, they've got a thirty seven percent win rate in the last three Jeez. months for a team that made a major final. That is, that's. I mean, it just goes to show that it was a massive overperformance at the. Yeah. Exactly. Massive overperformance, yet... format related, related to upsets, yep. messing with the seeding, you know, all sorts of things just conspired, I think, to make that look sort of the perfect storm for them. It just feels like they're so damn predictable and like Same time. as soon as as soon as their their one and only game plan doesn't work out, it's like, Alright boys, pack up shop, move on to the next game and hope that it does, you know. Yeah. I mean the, the problem is... they need to evolve. The problem is you also know that like if you can get it into any sort of situation where it's like a two on three uh, or a three on two and one of them is is um jame jame you just have a much higher chance of winning that situation than against most of the teams because jame is so passive and fair play to him he wants to keep the orb it's a very powerful weapon in his hands but like he is good enough to make those situations happen the fact that he just won't 
commit to helping out his team is is a massive issue. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't, I don't think anyone is is going for Buddhist Pro there. Liquid should should style that one. You'd expect the other one is Mad Lions Evil Geniuses. There's like two very large. Um, well, contrasts <laughs> like, in style. The antithesis yeah. of of one is the other. Essentially, Mad Lions extremely tactical and uh, and Hunden the worst fragger in the history of uh, professional Counter Strike, but probably one of the best <laughs> in game leaders. Yep. And you got evil geniuses that got all the fragging power. Yeah. And even then, I think Mad Lions could actually win this one. Yeah, I mean they are on a hot streak on at the moment, aren't they? Um, they've been taking that's some also, names and yeah, that that's also the kind of team that Mad Lions can do damage against. Because as I was saying earlier, like um, if if you look at how Stannis Law calls, it's very much about the flow of the game. How do you like run the flow of the game against a, like an IGL as as storied as Hunter? Like, that guy knows his stuff. Like he's he's abysmal in terms of fragging. He is. I mean, we're not joking when you say he's the worst professional uh, like fragger of all time in in CS:GO. Check the stats on on AHLTV. At his rating, I think the next lowest player is is um, Zeus. But the man knows how to get the most out of his team. So that is, is a very Coach very Zeus, right? Yeah. Well, no, no, not Coach Zeus. Uh, um, the ex. Oh, the there. actual Zeus. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, like, Hunden is very very bad as a player, but very very good as an IGL, and like. That is the kind of game that Evil Genius is all kinds of set up to do. They tend to start off slow. Yeah. You're running into a guy that is, he's had a month or more to prep for you. Mm-hmm. And he's got a, a lot of recent data to study because Evil Genius did not look good at Blast. And um, if, he can, if he can figure out what caused that, oh boy, Evil Genius has got a lot of issues coming their way. Like I still think I'll still pick Evil Geniuses to win that. But that, I think, is going to be a lot tougher than most people expect. I'm going to say this one actually goes one or two ways. It's either an absolute massacre, for, you know, evil geniuses destroy them, or it's a very hard-fought three-mapper that Mad Lions take. But yeah. I, I'm going to like pin my, my colors to the mast. I'll say Mad Lions on this one because it's a, it's a very interesting matchup. Sean? Uh, he said EG already. Oh, did you go with EG? Was that your fire? I think I think it's just yeah the the, the firepower like yeah. Um, Mad Lions just can't compete with Breezy and so. Yeah, when they're on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also I'm like I'm so tentative about this one <laughs> because I'm actually a really big fan of Mad Lions as well. I've been following Bubski for a while, um, so I, I actually yeah it's it's a team I really enjoy watching play CS. They're, they're they're very easy on the eye, you know. They they do all the fundamentals right. So they're they're one of those teams that really does play CS by the book, and the, when it flows, it looks so good. Um, and just just Sean, I think that was such a prof rather. I think that was such a good point that you were making earlier about how this is a team which evil geniuses really could stutter and struggle against. And yeah, I'm I'm going to go with the, the confidence. I think Mad Lions are in a really good place at the moment. Evil geniuses are going to be the ones with all the pressure on their shoulders and everything to prove. And, and I think that Mad Lions could actually uh, cause an upset here. So I'll go with Mad Lions as well. Also depends on a lot on how the map pick works out. And I'm really hoping it'll be one of those, um, you know, you know, sometimes when you watch a game, you just can see there's some trickery going on in that um, map V. So I, I think Hunden kind of needs that to pull this one off as well. So 
yeah, uh, this is going to be interesting. To me, it's one of the matchups I'm most interested in. You know, aside from maybe Faze Navi as 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 an opener. So yeah, let's let's see how that one goes. So I guess the next question here, then, guys, is who do we think is going to take this tournament? Because um, we we're not going to go through every stage. Oh, who could possibly yeah, play who? Sure, I mean, sure. like let's let's not let's not make it that detailed. But we've given a little bit of an overview of the opening matchups, a little bit about the teams. I mean, where do you guys feel this is going to go? I mean, are you? You're gonna go with uh, one of the big names. You're gonna pull out something from that from the I'm, back pocket. What, what do you I'll, got, I'll jump in first. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think Faze are gonna win the event. Well, that's that's my my call. Yeah, bold bold prediction, hot take. But I think um, bold call. I think Faze on a, a, a they're riding a wave at the moment. I think they have a shit ton of momentum behind them. I think they all have a point to prove. They all you know historically incredibly uh, held in high regard and i think that they all want to get back to that point obviously they want to get back to that point but i think they're working really hard and they understand what it takes now um and i think that phase might actually be able to to make it happen so i'm going to go with them john prof i just have the funny feeling my sports i think they sort of flying under everyone's radar because they didn't go to um, last and they won their last uh, hit out. So true, true. They've had think, a tournament I think this my, year. Yeah. Like I, I'd say, Mars Sports is, is going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the event. Um, I don't know if they're going to win it. You got to say that's the question, yeah, Sean. So are they going to win it? Oh, I'll go Mars Sports. You're yeah, you actually yeah. making me like, think twice like, as well. The, I think the problem, the problem, the problem is that that man Carrigan, like. That man is is an incredibly dangerous uh, IGL to just like vaguely forget about. He's got a relatively easy bracket to get there as well. He's got to be Tai Lu, then he's going to have to be Hundred Thieves or G two in the next round, mm-hmm. uh, and then in the the playoff, it's one of I'd say Liquid or EG. Now EG knocks Liquid out there. Uh, Mouse Sports has had uh, Evil Geniuses on toast for the last four months. Yeah, That's a good point. So. I think Mouse Sports at the very least will be in the final. And I think they have a good shot to win it at that point. Because outside of a phase going absolutely nuclear on them, or maybe a Na'Vi, they match up pretty well against everybody else. It's ironic that you say phase though, because it seems like Carrigan's had Come their on, number we, as well. We gotta hope for that game, right, guys? Come on. Yeah, that's it's been uh, all Carrigan's way since they've played against each other. Um and I think he lives in their head rent free, actually. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I hope we get that matchup in the playoffs. That that would be that would yeah. be amazing. In fact, either way that it could go, because I mean, you get again that sort of story arc of Carrigan somehow, just with the resources he has, beating this you know multi million dollar team. Or you have Nico going, you know, finally I I can I can compete with you as an IGL and I can frag too. You know, yeah. that I, either of those storylines is pretty compelling. So. Yeah. The problem with this, that's the only way FaZe wins against Mouse Sports, is to literally just frag them out of the server. Mm. Because yeah. Mouse is Mouse will uh, or Carrigan will come with with better strats and a better reading of the game than FaZe. And we're talking again a tricky map veto. We pull some crazy, oh, something crazy. He's gonna he's gonna, he's gonna eat them alive in that veto. He eats everybody alive in the veto. Like the only reason that he couldn't beat Prime Astralis was because they could play just about everything. Six and even map, then, yeah. he's still. And even then, he could still beat them at times with that old phase team. So, 
yeah, the, the the man is a legend for a reason. There's there's a reason he's going to be going to the Hall of Fame the day he does decide to to hang up. Jeez, I'm, I'm actually super house. excited now. Just talking about the, these are tantalizing prospects. What's now, uh, what's now the your name? Call, I'm Mike? gonna I'm gonna pull out you. I'm gonna go with the predictable. You know what shirt do I own? The Australia shirt. So. <laughs> I'm going to go I was, with... One of us had to say yeah. it, surely. Yeah, I mean, they... can you imagine three punnets and not one of yeah. them not one of them predicts Astralis to win the event? I, I just don't see Astralis having back-to-back tournaments that bad. I mean, it would be unprecedented. We haven't really seen that out of them, except for their Blastralis um, period last year where they yeah. were kind of bottling it because they weren't really working as hard. And I mean, there were some factors behind the scenes as well. But in general... Their work ethic is pretty much unparalleled. They've got one of the best coaches in the game who's both a, a motivator and a a guy who brings some amazing tactics. You've got Glaive, the, the best in-game leader currently. I mean, we talk about Carrigan, but Glaive is actually the guy with, with all the real achievements. So, I mean, the guy is, is a monster. He can also pop off individually. They've got the players to do it. I just don't see it happening back-to-back. I mean, there oh, is the chance that... Is- if you look at the bracket that they've got, it's a pretty rough bracket. Oh, it is. So well, that, that's, that's where Cloud I was Nine going. Is, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Cloud9 thing is a soft sort of uh, underhanded throw. I mean, sorry again, Cloud9, but um, that that's going to get them <laughs> out of the gates pretty easily. But, I mean, you've got Vitality next up, most likely. That's going to be tough because you've got to neutralize Zewu. They have done that pretty well, though, in the past. So I, I would kind of bank on them yeah. to do it again. Um, it's just going to probably not be easy. Then next up, I mean, you've got one of probably, probably, or any any one of Navi, Faze, or even Fnatic. Fnatic, I mean, yeah. There's like three names there who are all potentially dangerous who can take you out. So, I mean, it's it's going to be really tough. Beyond that, then again, it, it doesn't get any easier. So if they win it, it'll be a very legit tournament win aside from the opening game. So it's it's going to be a tough one. But I do think this is kind of one of those tournaments when you look at the bracket. Astralis, how many times did we see them actually fight their way through tournaments where they had a lot of close results in the early stages and uh, still somehow had that ability to take it to overtime, take it to, you know, three overtimes and then still win and still win the tournament. So, I mean, there's no team that has that, that mental fortitude that they have. So... I'm going to back them to take this one. It's It would be quite a win, I think, on par with one of their, their better wins just because of how competitive things are right now. So I think if they do win it, it'll be one of their, their most legit victories. But there's every chance, as you say. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, I mean, Na'Vi could win this tournament. Vitality yeah, sure. could easily do it as well. I mean, even Fnatic, it's just Liquid could oh. have, a, have a vintage performance. EG, if it's... they suddenly do what they're used to. I mean, this is as open as we've seen it. Yeah, I, I really, really, that's exactly what I was going to touch on now. G2's is a sleeper on this one ended. too, right? Yeah, no. how open <laughs> There's no way, no way G2's winning this event. I knew Not you would say that. <laughs> I was like waiting for it. I just love how open-ended the, the upper echelon is at the moment. You just, if you think back in, back in time, it's always like we've had nearly three, maybe top four teams in CS. And outside of that, it's almost been like a different tier. Now we're in a scenario where you just named like six or seven serious contenders to win one of the biggest events on the calendar. So yeah. uh, it just also speaks to how competitive this game is becoming and how many different types of teams are actually capable of, you know, making it to the top. It's just all about committing to one specific idea and, and everybody buying into it. That's what really boils down to being the most important factor. The the only thing I would say, though, is the one thing that is a little bit worrying to me is that, like, despite the the level that we saw 
from some teams at last. Um, I do think a lot of teams are still going to be coming in relatively undercooked in two categories. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was um, speaking about as soon as uh, we started this conversation. Is that like a lot? Like a lot of these teams look like they could do damage, but it could also just like it could just flop, and that's yeah. that's just the worry here. Is that like Liquid? They got slammed by a phase. They always seem to just uh, know how to deal with. Um, EG didn't look good. Uh, Astralis didn't look good. So I think it's. I think the, the 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 top bracket has maybe dropped a tiny bit, and the the that like the bottom of the top ten have like just increased slightly, and that's what's making this uh, makes it such a great event. It is, I think, going to affect the the the, the overall absolute level, but maybe with the, the strength of the format, we could still get some of those crazy events down the line. It's always going to happen, though. You're always going to have breaks, and you're always going to have to be coming back in and playing your first tournament. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate that this event did fall, you know, so soon after the player break ended. But, I mean, hey, it's I am Katowice. It, yeah. it still holds that title, and we're still going to have the likes of the Majors and Cologne coming up. So we will see these types of teams in their prime form, but we're definitely going to be getting an idea of you know, who, what we can expect heading into 2020. So I'm yeah. uh, very, very excited. I think also take a good look at this tournament because, um, you know, you're not going to see all of these teams playing together in the leagues for, for, for a few weeks consecutively. Yeah. So that's a little change that we have, which maybe makes these kind of matchups a little more special, which I, I don't exactly. actually mind. I mean, I think that's, yeah. a, that's a cool thing because we did suffer from a, oh, it's Astralis Liquid again, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of scenario. You're supposed to salivate like... about that, but when it happens the whole time, it, it does kind of diminish it a little bit. So I, I don't couldn't necessarily... agree more. We were having it weekend on weekend at some stage. Yeah, yeah, know. we were. So. Uh, Just... I'd, I'd watch it. I know, and but like, and, and, and the three of us would totally, and uh, you know, that's the extremist case. When you you look at it from a common viewer's perspective, it definitely does take away from the quality and from the, the value of those matches, a best of three between Astralis and Liquid is supposed to be, you know, one of the most hotly contested matches out there. And you want the um, you want the hype leading into it to to meet that expectation as well, you know, and just feel like you said it got a little bit diluted last year, and this oh. might remedy that. Yeah, I mean that that's maybe a positive that people aren't thinking about, but um, I, th- I think it yeah, could no, be, I like that take. I agree with that. It could be an interesting, interesting one where we just see a couple of the teams. I don't think it's going to be many of them because I mean EPL's probably sewn up the bigger names if you look between EPL and Flashpoint. But sure, in general, I think going forward as that sort of fragments, if Flashpoint is successful, which I gather that it might be. So if it is, and you know we see more of a separation going into the second season of Flashpoint versus EPL, I think that'll give us more of you know what you have in maybe some other games. I mean, not the full extreme League of Legends example where nobody plays anybody except at Worlds, but. Um, somewhere in between where you kind of preserve a little bit of the mystique at times could be nice. I mean, we still have the open circuit that still exists. It just, thankfully, thankfully, I, I mean, we're not going to have that whole scenario of the team plays their EPL match, then plays the you know, four ECS best of ones, and then plays another EPL match in the same night, and they're at a land somewhere. I mean, yeah. that kind of stuff was just insane. Like, I don't know if you remember some of those scenarios where a team was like playing at a land and they'll play like, you know, eight or eight or nine maps of Counter Strike because they're playing their online leagues from there too. It's just yeah. stupid. I'm I'm glad those days are over. And that yeah, long may they be dead. But yeah, from... I mean, do you remember when we were having ECS and EPL like games stacked on top of each other even as well? Yeah, yeah. 
on the same night it just gets like insane nah, just stupid, so eh? difficult to like keep track of everything that's going on i gather these leagues are gonna overlap a little bit but it's just they're on lan as opposed to to online so that kind of changes the, the the dynamic nicely i mean that has been the case with, with epl for a while now but overall let's let's see where it goes i guess we'll talk about that more in a future episode we've i think uh come to the end of our time and then some so we'll uh we'll be calling this one a night so I mean, any final thoughts there, guys? Any any final uh, things you'd like to say? Shout-outs to your mother? I don't know. Word to your mother? Nothing in particular besides uh, seriously looking forward to the year. And uh, and just to finish off that um, ESL Flashpoint conversation, it's really exciting when you look at the longevity of the scene and what this sort of could be allowing for. It's, it's um, It creates a winning scenario for everybody involved. Of course... The conversation does get deeper when you look, you know, into the tier three and the tier the tier two and three scene. You know, it can be something that you end up discussing. You know, how much opportunity there is for them to break into those elite events. But um, I feel like this is the right step going forward. Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. That's a pretty good summary. Prof, you got anything? Mm, I mean, I just hope that we get enough. CS throughout the year that we'll maintain a good level of, of competition because there were times I think when the the, the CS on, on show at Blast was a little bit disappointing considering the the expectations we had for some of those teams coming in and, and the, the, the long breaks are going to kill a lot of the teams I think but with the long breaks we don't kill the players so you know there's, there's, there's a plus <laughs> so, yeah. player lives matter guys well said so I think that's been our show, Mid-Round Call. Thanks for joining us for Mid-Round Call. I'm just going to say Mid-Round Call a bunch of times and hope for YouTube algorithm like goodness to happen. Of course, it doesn't really work like that. But yeah, you've been watching Mid-Round mid Call. See, I can't get it right. I'm extremes. And in the middle of saying that, I got it wrong. Um, Hayes, that's that's the, the guy on my left or right, depending on how this actually shakes out. And <laughs> Prof on the other side, Prophecy Gaming, you got our you got our Twitter handles, you know where to find us, where to get angry with us. Um send your death threats to Hayes, he deserves them. <laughs> what no no witty retort. Closing my DMs. Okay, closing your DMs. All those business inquiries is gonna bounce. Yeah. Off. Oh, because I'm getting so many of them so at the moment. Right now, I yep. actually it's breaking the bank. Oh jeez. Okay, well that's been our show, guys. Uh, join us for more mid round call in a week or so when we talk a bit more about Katavita and some of the other things that are happening. Hope you enjoyed us. Let us know what you thought. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Cheers. Cheers.